Hey everyone, Greg Schutz here for ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. Well, it's the end of the college football season. You know what that means. Not only is it holiday season, but the college football playoff committee has their playoff. We also have a Heisman Trophy winner and 41 bowls. Yes, it's bowl season. So we have a lot to talk about. Episode 14, really this is going to be the first of a two-part series talking about bowl season. One of my favorite times of year. One last chance to get a look at all of these uh, college teams. And uh, I'll tell you what, what I really want to do is break down each of these bowl games, give you some names to be on the lookout for as we head into the pre-draft process. This will be the last chance to get a take a, uh, take a look at all of these guys. So we're going to take a look at the college football playoff. We'll talk about the Heisman Trophy. Um, I think we got both of those right. And then we'll jump into each of the bowl games. And then obviously episode 15, we'll go ahead and finish out the bowls after that. So without further ado, like I said, we got a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump right into that college football playoff, shall we? Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. We knew that they were going to be the top three teams. You know, obviously all three undefeated. Um, Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa, with an impressive uh, season. At one point, you know, more uh, more uh, touchdown passes and interceptions. Um, the, the defense was dominant as always. But the thing with Alabama and the thing with Nick Saban is they've never really had that passing attack to go along with the dominant defense. Tua Tagovailoa has changed that. For Nick Saban, and not on you know on top of that, they don't just have one receiver. They don't just have a Julio Jones or an Amari Cooper. They have a stable of receivers, a tight end, three running backs, and a dominant offensive line. Alabama number one makes perfect sense. You look at Clemson at number two; uh, they've been pretty dominant there in the ACC play as well. Defensively, they've got a front four. Three of them are our first round picks, and then we've got a second round pick there in Austin Bryant. Uh, just you know really wreaking havoc in opposing backfields really makes it uh, difficult for the uh, opposing quarterback to make any plays down the football field. And then uh, in the secondary, you've got a couple of big corners, Trayvon Mullen, AJ uh, Terrell. And then, uh, you know, the sleeper for me is is Isaiah Simmons, kind of that hybrid linebacker safety type, Um, you know, very athletic. I think he's a more athletic version of, of Dorian O'Daniel, if that's even possible. But this is a guy who flies around all over the field. He's kind of the X factor for me for Clemson down the stretch. Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame, you know, you look at them, you talk about them undefeated. You know, they, they had to squeak by uh, against Pitt. There weren't always the impressive wins. But at the end of the day, Stanford, you know, Notre Dame, you know, they played Stanford, they played USC, they played Virginia Tech, Syracuse. You know, you look at their schedule, and that's one of the toughest schedules in the country. And Notre Dame got it done. Really, at the end of the day, Brandon Wimbush you know, uh, you know, sits down in favor of, of Ian Book, and uh, between that, that the addition of Book into that offense, along with uh, Dexter Williams coming back from that four-game suspension, Notre Dame's offense really took off. You know, you saw the the passing attack, the big receivers down the football field, Alize Mack at, at tight end as well. Um, you know, and like I said, Dexter Williams bringing that added dimension in the running game. And then that defense, you know, the defense has really been a, a staple there for, for Brian Kelly this season, very consistent throughout the season. So Notre Dame, very deserving as well. So the question then became, who is that fourth team? You had Oklahoma, the winners of the Big 12. You had Georgia, who narrowly lost a heartbreaker in the SEC championship to Alabama. And then you have Ohio State, the winner of the of the Big 10. I think they got it right. They got OU in there um, over Georgia 
and Ohio State. Now, Georgia, their argument is, look, you want to find the four best teams. We're one of the four best teams. And you know what? They they played Alabama you know, as tough as anybody has the entire season, nobody's really been able to, uh, you know, really take him down into into the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, the, the game was in doubt. But they have the two losses. You know, and that's one of the things that the committee, you know, if you remember TCU, Baylor, they said, you know what, you've got to have a conference championship. So what did the Big 12 do? They put in a conference championship. You know, if a conference championship doesn't mean anything, then what are we even doing? Why do we even need a conference championship at all? So I think that whole argument there with Georgia, to me, I, I don't think it really held water for the committee. You know, otherwise, you know, really, what what are they doing there? Why do we even care to just find the four best teams and, and move on? Who cares about the record? Regular season should make a difference. And really, at the end of the day here, Georgia did lose uh, to LSU and uh, then again to Alabama as well. Ohio State, you look at them, you know, and really, you know, Dwayne Haskins, you know, we'll talk about the Heisman Trophy here in a minute, but Dwayne Haskins, this was a guy who put that team on his back, you know, down the stretch. Uh, the running game pretty much abandoned them altogether, and basically they were one-dimensional for for the majority of uh, the second half of the season. And that's really where Dwayne Haskins shined, uh, a young defense that really started to mature as the season went along, but that lost to Purdue. Purdue's a 6-6 six and six team. We'll talk about him here as we get into the bowl season. But, uh, man, that loss to Purdue, that really was the difference maker for me with Ohio State. Yes, they they took out Michigan and in convincing fashion, mind you. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins having a big game against them, scoring over 60 points, you know, against an elite defense. You know, that just doesn't happen. Um, and then they played, a, a you know, a good Northwestern team, not a great Northwestern team, but a good one uh, in the Big Ten Championship. OU, here's the deal. Yes, their defense much maligned throughout the season. They started, you know, once Mike Stoops uh, was let go, Ruffin McNeil took over. As the season progressed, you saw that defense start to get more and more confidence against West uh, West Virginia. They had the two scoop and scores for touchdown, and then against Texas in the Big 12 championship, had a safety and held the, t- uh, the Longhorns to just 27 points. They avenged the one loss that they had uh, on their on their uh, on their schedule. So they've beaten everybody on that schedule. So you know that's one of the things that Georgia couldn't say, and something that Ohio State couldn't say. Plus. You're dealing with one of the most prolific offenses we've seen in quite some time. Kyler Murray, uh, what he's done, uh, you know, for that that team, you know, it's Baker Mayfield, but uh, you know, someone with some wheels as well, a guy who you know, was able to rush for a hundred yards and, and really take off, you know, showing that that sprinter speed. Uh, you know, who's faster, him or, or Marquise Hollywood Brown? You know, that's that's really a big question. You know, um, who's who's faster? Uh, that offensive line, the best offensive line. In the country, hands down. I thought, you know, no, no offense to to Mike Loxley there at, at Alabama, the offensive coordinator, winning the Frank Boyles Award for the top uh, assistant coach, Coach Beanbaugh there at at, uh, at OU. That O line, he's got five future NFL players on that offensive line. You know, Bobby Evans and, and Cody uh, Cody Ford. At the tackles, one of them, you know, Bobby Evans, very you know, a finesse guy, light on his feet. You got Cody Ford, 
who is a mauler, a guy who I think would be a perfect guard. He's actually my number one guard if he decides to come out. Uh, the two guards on the inside, you know, Ben Powers was a Walter Camp All-American, Drew Samia uh, there on the right side, and then Creed Humphrey might be the best of all of them, the former wrestler there at center, redshirt freshman. They're going to have their hands full, though, against Alabama. You know, that's one of the things that you know I, I think you can definitely, what I'm looking for forward to most you know, is that matchup. OU's offense against Bama's defense. Can that offensive line dominate the point of attack? In order to do that against Alabama, you have to block number 92. Quinnen Williams has had an incredible year, has played his way into you know a top three pick uh, in this uh, upcoming draft. So quick off the ball, shows the power as well. Creed Humphrey is going to have his hands full, but here's one of the things that OU does so well. They pull that guard and the tackle coming around, and that's one of the things that I can see OU really looking to do is, is keying in on where is Quinton Williams and, and putting a body on him. You saw Georgia was able to run the ball um, against Alabama. Really, if we take a step back, Auburn showed that they could run the ball against Alabama. Arkansas show that they can throw the ball against Alabama, and Georgia was able to do both. The difference maker, though, is Kyler Murray. And, uh, you know, they haven't play, uh, played against a guy who has, has the wheels. You know, you, you talk about a team like Mississippi State, Nick Fitzgerald. Um, you know, they haven't played a guy that has you know, the, the wheels that Kyler Murray has and the arm strength as well. You know, this is a guy who can make plays down the football field with both his legs and his arm. So that's really the matchup that I'm looking forward to. Kyler Murray, you know, the running game. Can they get that going against that Bama defense? Um, you know, and I think they are, you know, Bama's shown that they are susceptible in that secondary to some big plays. Now, Bama's offense against OU's defense. That's going to be the interesting matchup as well because will OU, even if OU's offense is able to score at will against Bama's defense, Will that OU defense be able to stop Alabama at all? I think the big question now is uh, the health of Tua Tango Vailoa. You know, this is a guy who can definitely push the football down the down the field. Uh, you know, I know that that Jalen Hurts stepped in and, and filled in admirably there against Georgia, was able to ultimately lead them to victory. But put him into that game for a full four quarters. If Tua can't uh, can't really go on that ankle, you know, I don't know that you have the same outcome. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things to me, I, I, you know, that, that health of Tua is really, you know, we haven't seen the same Tua since he's been having the issues with his knee and then now with the ankle, it'll be interesting. If all you can get a couple of stops, I think OU has a chance. Now, Clemson, Notre Dame, that's going to, you know, that to me, Clemson, that, that defensive line, that defensive front, Notre Dame has not seen a team with that type of a defensive front. Really, what I, the matchup that I'd love to see is OU and that whole line against Clemson's defensive line. That, I think, would be, you know, I would, I would definitely pay money to see that because I think that's the matchup that I think everybody wants to see. When you want to see the elite, the best on best, best D-line, best O-line, who's going to win that, that uh, line of scrimmage? That's really what I want to see. I'm pulling for an OU Clemson National Championship just for that matchup alone. Now, Clemson on offense. Trevor Lawrence, you want to talk about uh, revelation. You know, Kelly Bryant, their their incumbent starter, 
ultimately decides he ha- he's going to transfer, going to to Missouri there in Columbia to play with uh, with Derek Dooley, you know, in his offense. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, you know, this is a kid. He's 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 mobile, has a powerful arm, can throw the football down the field. He's got a, a, a ton of receivers, a stable of receivers. Uh, you know, a lot of young guys there um, in that receiving core, and uh, along with obviously Hunter Renfro, the possession receiver, the third down machine. Uh, and then obviously Travis Etienne, who's a special, special running back, only a sophomore. He'll be coming out in uh, that, that running back class in, uh, in 2019. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but Travis Etienne can run with power and can definitely run with speed, uh, elusive in the open field. I don't know that, that Tevin Coney, you know, Coney plays very well downhill. I don't know about his lateral quickness though. You know, and I think that's one of the things that they're going to have trouble stopping the run. You know, and then that play action, opening the pass up. Uh, you know, Julian Love's going to have his hands full out on the outside, along with Alohi Gilman, the the safety who had two interceptions against Syracuse. You know, Jerry Tillery, there on the inside. You've got to have a huge game. You've got to use the the power in those hands, such violent hands. You know, can he get to the quarterback? Can he make a play on Trevor Lawrence? Really get him uncomfortable, move him off a spot. You know, that's going to be a, a huge question mark. I don't see Clemson losing that game. You know, I, I think if there is a game that's going to be interesting, it's going to be the OU-Alabama game. I really think that OU has a good shot to win that game. Notre Dame is going to have to play the game of their career. Can't make any mistakes. Ian Book, they're going to have to ride his arm, You know, making those, those throws down the field to, to Miles Boykin, uh, and Chase Claypool, tell you what, that's going to be a fun matchup. Take the two of those big receivers against the big cornerbacks, Terrell and, and Mullen, and uh, you know that's really going to be a, a lot of fun, as long as that Notre Dame line can protect him. Now remember, not only is this line missing Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, both of whom were top 10 picks, they're also missing their top offensive lineman this year and Alex Bars, who went down to a season-ending injury. Sam Mustafer, the center, he's going to have his hands full dealing with Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins. I think that's just going to be a little bit too much for Ian Book at Notre Dame. And uh, I think Clemson has the easier road to the national title. So, we've talked about the playoff. Let's talk about the Heisman Trophy. You know, I, I think it was a foregone conclusion early on in the season that Tua was going to be the Heisman Trophy winner. It was going to be a runaway landslide victory. Alabama, number one overall. They now have a passing game. Tua with more touchdowns than incompletions. Just having an insane year. And what happens? Kyler Murray happens. You know, they've started the campaign with Kyler Nose because, you know, the, the dual threat. You know, another Bo Jackson type. You know, the, the number nine overall pick of the Oakland Athletics, you know, says his his football playing days are over at the end of the season. But Kyler Murray, you know, smaller than than Baker Mayfield, you know, good 20 pounds or so lighter than Baker Mayfield. And, uh, huh, my computer decided it wanted to freeze up on me. There we go. But when you talk about Kyler Murray, you know, 96 QBR, you know, that's 
the highest QBR in the 15 years of that, you know, that since we've been keeping track of that stat. You know, when you think about that, that's just that's staggering, you know, to, to be able to say that. You know, Kyler Murray, what he's done out on the football field, uh, you know, for OU, you know, over, you know, 70% completion percentage, 4,500, or I'm sorry, 4,053 yards, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You know, even when you look at the, the, the rating, you know, 205.7, higher than both Tua and Dwayne Haskins. Um, you know, it's one of those things. He's a special, special, uh, special quarterback. And a guy, to me, um, when you talk about Tua and you look at what Kyler Murray has done, you know, what he means to his team, you know, that's really the biggest thing. You know, Kyler had to be on his A game, game in, game out. He did not have an elite defense like Tua. He had to have the best game. He had to have the best version of himself game in and game out. Otherwise, there was no way that OU was going to win that game. You know, it's the same thing, too. You look at him, he had to be healthy. He had to take care of himself, had to take care of the football. Kyler Murray had to be on his game every single game. And look, that stage was never too big for him. Never too big. He was always out there, you know, stepping up and playing, you know, just absolutely you know, one of the best uh, best seasons that we've ever seen out of a quarterback. Now, I mentioned that Kyler Murray having the, the an amazing season, but look, Dwayne Haskins was no slouch either. You know, the second half of the season, what Dwayne Haskins was able to do out on that football field was was quite impressive. You know, he, you know, when when that running game and the running game did abandon him, you know, they they really weren't able to, um, you know, to uh, to run the football much, and they struggled mightily, you know, getting that football, you know, really running the running the ball, um, and, and they had to rely on Dwayne Haskins. And what did he do? He set a big Big Ten record. Uh, for passing yards, you know, and, and really that was one of the things they could rely on Dwayne Haskins throwing the football, pushing it down the field uh, with accuracy. You know, if you listen to any of my podcasts, you know that early on in the season, I was telling everyone to pump the brakes on Dwayne Haskins. Everything, you know, yes, he was accurate on the short to intermediate routes, putting the ball out in front of the receiver, allowing them to not only catch the ball in stride, but make plays after the catch. You know, Paris Campbell, KJ Hill, Terry McLaurin, he had all these playmakers, and he was allowing them to make plays. Something that Kyler Murray did, something that Tua, Tua did, Dwayne Haskins was doing the same thing. But you never really saw him throw the ball past 10 yards. It was really frustrating. Once that running game you know, really disappeared, that's when Dwayne Haskins started. You know, he had to push the ball down the field, and boy did he ever. And this was something to where he was dropping the ball in the bucket time and time again, hitting his receivers in stride down the field, making big plays. Uh, and look, 4,580 yards, 47 touchdowns, eight interceptions. You know, the yardage and the touchdowns, big 10 records, broke Drew Brees' record. You know, and, and I mean, that's, that's staggering. 70.2% completion percentage. But look. You know, the rating overall, you know, I, I talked about Kyler at a at 205, his rating of 175.8. You know, it was one of those things to where had he played, you know, the first half like he did the second half, we may be talking about Dwayne Haskins as the Heisman Trophy winner, but that just didn't happen. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, Kyler Murray, game in and game out, gave you his best self. 
And that really, at the end of the day, you can't really point to any game on the on on the schedule and say that Kyler Murray had a bad game. Why? Because if he did, OU probably wasn't winning the football game because that defense was giving up a ton of yards and a ton of points. So I think the Heisman Trophy, they got it right. And then obviously we'll get to see Kyler versus Tua. Head to head. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, and, and if you're wondering, you know, when was the last time the Heisman Trophy winner also won the national title? Well, Cam Newton did it in 2010. Jameis Winston did it in 2013. So it is rare, but it does happen. You know, we had it twice in, in just four years, uh, just a few years ago. So uh, is there a chance that Kyler Murray can be be the next in line to do that? Absolutely. So I know that the Sooner fans are going to definitely be uh, interested to see just what unfolds on December 29th. So now that we've talked about the Heisman, we've talked about the college football playoff, let's talk about bowl season. Now, as I said, 41 bowls in all, you know, and and that's just staggering. There's 40 that are FBS bowls, and uh, there's the Celebration Bowl. Celebration Bowl, you know, pits Alcorn State against uh, North Carolina, A&T, and... Uh, The guy to watch when you tune into this game, you know, Alcorn State nine and three, uh, North Carolina A and T nine and two. Um, you know, Alcorn State, uh, you know, won the SWAC for the third time um, in, in just five seasons. Um, you know, North Carolina A and T, they've got a, a really stout defense, you know, really a dominant defense, and uh, they're led by by the running back offensively, uh, Markel Cartwright. You know, this is a guy for me that I, I enjoy watching. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about Tariq Cohen, you know, a, as one of the smaller uh, running backs. Markel Cartwright fits the same mold. Obviously, they both went to the same school, both Aggies. Uh, Markel Cartwright, you know, led the, um, um, let's see, led the MEAC in, in rushing in 2017 with uh, nearly 1,200 yards. Uh, 14 touchdowns, and then really in 2018, um, you know, over a thousand yards again, 5.7 yards per carry, just seven touchdowns, but also showed some some good hands with 15 receptions on the year as well. Uh, I, I think the Aggies' offense is going really going to go as as Markel Cartwright does. Um, really a lot of fun to watch. A guy who runs with a low pad level. He's 5'8", 203 pounds, uh, very elusive in space, but powerful runner. Keeps those legs churning for extra yards. Uh, so if you get the chance to tune in on December 15th, that's a Saturday, by the way, um, Celebration Bowl, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in uh, Atlanta, going to be a lot of fun to watch. So that'll actually take us into the you know the 40 FBS bowl games. Now I say 40, you know that includes the FBS uh, college football playoff championship game. Um, you know, obviously we've talked a little bit about the the four that are going to be going into that. Um, so in episode 15, we'll actually break down the players in uh, in those championship games. But what I really want to do is go through each of these bowls. We'll start with the bowls there in uh, on the 15th. And the first bowl that we'll talk about is the AutoNation Cure Bowl. We'll get through all 39. You know, my, my goal is to get through about half of them here uh, 
in this podcast, episode 14, and then we'll finish everything out in the next podcast. So what I've done, and really, you know, the, the method for my madness uh, is I like to take notes. You know, I've got binders upon, or notebooks upon notebooks of, you know, just my notes. And really, I think what happens for me is you know, the pen to paper, and that's really what helps ingrain into, into my memory. You know, so the players, when I try to recall things, you know, a lot of it is is kind of going old school rather than, than typing things into the computer. So if you do happen to hear me flip through some some uh, of some pages here in my notebook, that's just because I'm, I'm getting to all of my notes. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's more than a hobby. It's a passion. Have to love my, my wife for allowing me to, to make that happen. Um, AutoNation Cure Bowl. Let's get into the bowls here. So Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, site of one of our first bowl games. It's going to pit Tulane, the Green Wave, 6-6 six and six on the year against uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns, 7-6. and six. Now Tulane, you know, really the, the you know, the, the thing for me, you know, Tulane able to make their first bowl game since 2013, and I think that's an accomplishment in and of itself. I think Tulane is going to be outmatched by uh, Louisiana. I think they really run the ball well. The Raging Cajuns have a dynamic duo, Thunder and Lightning, and Trey Regis and uh, Elijah Mitchell. You know, Trey Regis, 5'11", 227 pounds, uh, over 1,100 uh, yards on the ground, uh, eight touchdowns. Um, to his credit, this is a guy who looks for contact, very physical runner, gets downhill in a hurry. And then uh, Elijah Mitchell, you know, both of these guys are sophomores, so they'll be back next season. Um, but Elijah Mitchell, he's he's about the same size, 5'11", 221 pounds, uh, 951 yards on the ground and uh, and 15 touchdowns. But the thing for him is he's he's more of the elusive back. He's a guy who's looking to make you miss in the open field and is a threat to, to go the distance on any play. You know, uh, Louisiana is really going to look to pound the ball against Tulane, uh, really be a lot, you know, physical up front. And I think Tulane's going to struggle there um, having to deal with with all of that. Uh, you know, they're not a team that's going to put up a ton of a ton of points, uh, 93rd in the nation in scoring, averaging just 25.7 points a game. Um, so I, I think that running game of, of Louisiana Lafayette is going to take things over. Now, Tulane, that said, there are a couple of guys to be on the lookout for, you know, when we talk about the draft. One of them is Teron, uh, I'm sorry, Teron Onkelod, six foot, 190 pound slot receiver. You know, if you listen to my podcast, this is one of my favorites. Uh, you know, 39 receptions, 634 yards, four touchdowns on the year, um, over 2,000 uh, yards in his career with 14 touchdowns. Uh, this is a guy who I think could be a day three slot receiver, a guy who can get vertical, um, you know, and make some plays down the field for you. Uh, not a guy who's going to be a, a one or a two, but a guy who I think could fit in, like I said, in the slot and uh, make his way onto a roster, probably be the fourth or fifth receiver on a roster starting out. Um, Donnie Lewis, the cornerback. Six foot, 195 pounds. You know this senior, second team all, uh, all AAC, uh, leads them and, and is third in the FBS with 1.7 passes defended per game. Um, you know a playmaker there for the Green Wave. But look, Louisiana, they're not all about throwing the football. You know, you're not going to see them um, throwing the football down the field very often. They're a team that's going to look to to really run the ball down your throat and, and make you stop. 
uh, stop them. You know, and that's one of the things that I think Tulane is going to really have a hard time doing is slowing them down. Andre Nunez, uh, the quarterback, is also a threat to run. I think Louisiana Lafayette is going to end up uh, coming out victorious in that one. How about the New Mexico Bowl? Let's go ahead and talk about that one next. New Mexico Bowl, North Texas, Utah State, playing uh, in Dream Cycle Stadium there in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The North Texas, you know, nine and three on the year, um, playing under Seth Luttrell. And uh, look, their their quarterback is is a guy that I, to me is is pretty special. You know, this is a guy who reminds you when you watch him play, plays with a little bit of swagger. He's an undersized quarterback, reminds you of Baker Mayfield. His name, if you haven't seen him play yet, is Mason Fine. He's just 5'11", 185 pounds, but he threw for over 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, just five interceptions, uh, 60, almost 65% completion percentage, just a swagger with which this guy plays is infectious. And I, I think that's a big reason why North Texas is where they're at. Um, defensively, EJ Ajia uh, is the guy that's going to jump out for you. 6'3", 231 pound uh, linebacker, back to back 100 yard, ta- or I'm sorry, 100 tackle seasons uh, the uh, season ago, uh, or this past season, 113 tackles, 23 and a half for loss, nine sacks. This is a guy who lives in opposing backfields, um, and I think Utah State is really going to have to key in on him um, because you know their quarterback Jordan Love. Uh, is is more your prototypical pocket passer, 6'4", 220 pounds, uh, just a sophomore, uh, threw for over 3,000 yards himself, 3,208 to be exact, 65.8% passer, uh, 28 touchdowns and only five interceptions. You're going to see two very efficient quarterbacks, two guys that are kind of flying under the radar. People aren't talking about them too much, but I think this is going to be some some fun quarterback play um, for a couple of underclassmen. Um, you know, Jordan Love, like I said, not much of a, you know, a guy who's going to run the ball, um, you know, in his two seasons for the Aggies, just 225 yards on the ground. Um, but a guy in the red zone, you know, looks to, to try to score eight touchdowns, six in 2018. So who's draft eligible for the Aggies? Well, how about the tight end? Let's talk about some tight ends here. Uh, Dax Raymond is a guy, if you haven't seen him, uh, make sure you tune in and watch. 6'5", 250 pounds, um, you know, 41 receptions for, for 456 yards as a sophomore. Really a breakout season. Uh, then 24 receptions, 320 yards, and two touchdowns um, this, this past season. You know, and so you're asking, well, that's not really a, a you know eye-popping numbers. Why is he coming out? Well, went on a Mormon mission to Russia. You know, and now he's he's 23 years old. He's already graduated, and he's a guy to me who can be an inline blocker. Uh, does a pretty good job outside on the edge as well for for his teammates. Um, but a threat up the seam. You know, excellent hands. Uh, can go up and, and attack the football in the air. Like I said, 6'5", 250 pounds. Has really good size. Uh, to me, you know, Dax Raymond, he's one of those underclassmen that's sitting there um, you know, at the at the tight end position. There's seven or eight uh, underclassmen that could be draft eligible if they all declare. And uh, I know Noah Fant has, Caleb Wilson has, you know, and, and so it'll be interesting to see just how many underclassmen declare. It's not a very strong uh, senior class at the tight end position. So you could see five, six, seven tight ends. And one of those could very well, you know, could be Dax Raymond, you know, sneaking into, um, you know, a day two pick. You know, that's, 
you know, I, I think that's probably the ceiling would be the third round for him. I think more than likely he'll probably be fourth, fifth round range, but a guy who can come onto, the, onto a roster, be a number two tight end, and eventually work his way into a starting role. Next bowl game, how about the Las Vegas Bowl? Uh, Sam Boyd Stadium there in, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City. Um, you know, the Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, number 21, Fresno State, winners of the Mountain West Conference, taking on Arizona State. You know, the Bulldogs 11-2 and two on the year. Uh, you know, and, and Jeff Tedford, what a way to turn this program around. Um, you know, just 1-11 in 2016. And, uh, you know, they've been 21-5 and five since then. Under under Jeff Tedford, uh, you know the the former Cal coach. I think he's done a tremendous job there. You know he's got Marcus McMarion at quarterback and uh, a receiver who's breaking all the records there at Fresno State. Keyshawn Johnson, you know, no, not not uh, the Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, just give me the damn ball. Um, but Keyshawn Johnson spelled K E E S E A N. Six two hundred ninety nine pounds, back to back thousand yard seasons, um, nearly thirty four hundred yards um, through the air, twenty four touchdowns, breaking all of Devonte Adams records. So I mean, if you're doing that, you know that's going to get you get you recognized there. Um, you know, to me, I, I think he's a guy who's probably going to play his way into a day three pick. You know, there are a lot of receivers. You know, there's a lot of depth, not a ton of depth at the very top of the draft, but a ton of depth in those middle rounds. I think he's somebody who might uh, might be a sleeper. Um, falls probably to the fourth, fifth round range, possibly even into the sixth, but a guy who I think can definitely make a roster and uh, make an impact for somebody. Um, you know, an underclassman to keep an eye out for watching Fresno State, that's going to be Jeffrey Allison, the, the middle linebacker, six foot, 247 pounds, back to back, 100 yard or 100 tackle seasons. Um, you know, and this past year, um, let's see, you know, 105 tackles, 14 and a half for loss. Uh, I'm sorry, four and a half for loss and uh, 128 tackles a, a season ago. This is a guy who you know has deceptive speed. You know, I know that he's a thumper downhill, fills holes, um, wraps up very well, big hitter. Um, you know, really a, a thumper, but showed some speed, especially playing Boise State um, against Alexander Madison, uh, a, a guy who you know, has the speed to get to the outside and, and Jeffrey. Jeffrey Allison was showing that, that speed to be able to beat him to the edge. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things, you know, like I said, back-to-back uh, 100 tackle seasons. Um, he's somebody, to me, you know, I don't see him coming out entering the draft this year, but a guy who's going to be on NFL radars uh, come the 2020 draft. Now, Arizona State, first year under Herm Edwards. Very happy for Herm to to take the Sun Devils. To, uh, to the bowl game, going bowling. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'm bummed about, I was hoping to see a matchup of, you know, Keyshawn Johnson versus Nikhil Harry. That's not going to happen. Unfortunately, Nikhil Harry um, is sitting out the bowl game, going to prepare for the NFL draft. 6'4", 213-pound junior in 2017, 82 receptions, 1,142 yards, 8 touchdowns. I went over 1,000 yards again, uh, 9 touchdowns on the year. You know, this is a big-bodied receiver. You know, a guy who's going to go up and high point the football. You know, showed the body control um, and the ability to adjust to the football in the air. An acrobatic catch against USC. You know, Odell Beckham style, reaching back behind his head, almost getting horizontal as he was hauling in the pass. Excellent hands. A, a nightmare matchup wise in the red zone. And uh, you know, the one thing for me with Nikhil Harry, I want to see what he times in the forty. That's really going to be the biggest thing for me because when you watch Nikhil Harry, you know, play, 
for as big as physical, you know, especially after the catch, you know, can he separate? Can he separate down the field? You know, is he able to separate? One of the things I think he does do very well is that late separation extends his arm into the, the corner to go ahead and give him some of that space. And then he's able to go up and high point the football. But can he get in and out of his breaks? You know, if he's coming over the middle, is he going to be able to separate it off from that corner? Is the corner going to be able to undercut the route and get a hand in to knock the football away? You know, he does do a great job using that big body to shield the defender from the football. So, like I said, the, I think the combine is really going to tell a lot. If he can get into that, you know, four, you know, four four range, then he he's he's almost a lock to be a, a top ten pick. Because when you look at some of those guys, you know, Julio Jones ran a four three eight. You know, and you know a lot of those those wide receivers. If you're talking about breaking the four or five barrier, then then you're talking about potentially being a top ten pick, especially with that size. I don't see that happening for him. I think he'll probably run in the four or five range, but still, he's going to be a guy to me that's going to be one of the top two or three wide receivers taken um, when we get to Mar- uh, when we get to April. So, who is playing for Arizona State that we can talk about? How about Eno Benjamin? The sophomore really emerged um, as a big play guy for for uh, ASU, number three in all of FBS with 1,524 yards on the ground, um, 5.5 yards per carry, 15 touchdowns on the year, also added 30, 33 receptions, so really a, a dynamic back, catching the football out of the backfield as well, runs with power between the tackles, also has that vision to, to, to bounce things to the outside. I like how he presses the line of scrimmage, patient to allow his blocks to develop, sees the cutback lane, puts his foot in the ground, gets north and south. Very fun guy to watch, and, and really that matchup, you know, Eno Benjamin versus Je- uh, Jeffrey Allison is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, ASU, they're building for the future. There are some underclassmen on defense to keep an eye out for as well. How about freshman Merlin Robertson, 6'3", 235 pounds. The, the freshman, uh, 77 tackles, 8.5 for loss, 5 sacks, an interception, 2 pass breakups, you know, all as a freshman. You know, This is the guy who's making a lot of the signal calls out there for the, the Sun Devils. Uh, he's going to be a star there in the Pac-12. And then how about Chase Lucas, the sophomore corner, uh, four interceptions, 11 pass breakups in, in two seasons for the Sun Devils. You know, kind of an undersized guy, not very, you know, he's kind of slight, needs to put on a little bit of weight, but a guy who has some ball skills and, uh, you know, a guy who can play out on an island. Which takes us to the Camellia Bowl. The, the Raycom Media Camellia Bowl It's going to be played in Crampton Bowl in uh, Montgomery, Alabama going to pit Georgia Southern, the 9-3 Eagles against uh, Eastern Michigan, 7-5 and five on the year. Just realize this is going to be the Eagle Bowl. Which Eagle is going to be the dominant one? Is it going to be the, the green and white of, of uh, Eastern Michigan or the, the, the blue of, uh, of Georgia Southern? That's really going to be a, a, a key matchup, um, obviously, for, for the Eagles. That's, that's what everybody, why everybody's tuning in, right? Um, but uh, when you think of, uh, of Georgia Southern, you think of the, the dominance there in, in, F, in the FCS for, for so many years, especially with, with that triple option that, that Paul Johnson made famous, winning the national titles there in uh, 99 and 2000. Um, Matt Breida, you know, a guy that's really kind of emerged for, for San Francisco, the 49ers. You know, over 3,700 yards and 37 touchdowns in his career there uh, for Georgia Southern. They have a running back now who's going to get a look at the next level, and that's Wesley Fields. Six foot, 205 pounds, uh, over 
will will hit the 3000 mark in his career in the bowl game 36 touchdowns to his credit um, you know, Wesley Fields is a guy to me, you know, not, not a guy who's all that flashy, but a guy that gets the job done. And sometimes that's what you need there at the next level. Now, the fun guy to watch is shy Wirtz, 5'11, 200 pounds, the quarterback, only a sophomore. Um, you know, when you watch this guy play, you know, he's, he's only thrown, um, you know, hundred, 109 passes. This season for just 954 yards, just under 60% completion percentage. But look, very efficient. 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. Makes the right decisions um, with the football in his hands. Now look, you know what he's done on, on the football field in two seasons for the Eagles uh, of Georgia Southern. 1,544 yards, 16 touchdowns, 4.2 yards per carry at the quarterback position. Really, you know, those are the two guys that uh, really make make things work there for uh, the Georgia Southern Eagles. Flip side, you look at Eastern Michigan. This is a team, you know, again, um, you know, a, a team that is finally back to, to playing in a bowl game. Um, you know, they, they went to their first bowl game in, in quite some time, just a couple of years ago. They're back, and uh, they're led by a junior defensive end. You know, he's obviously, you know, I, I see Max Crosby coming back for his, his senior season, but 6'5", 247 pounds. Check out these stats. In 2017, 16 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks, uh, four forced fumbles. Uh, 2018, uh, 18 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, five forced fumbles, three pass breakups. You know, Eastern Michigan is one team that I have yet to see play. Now, my goal was to watch all 130 teams play at least one game from beginning to end, um, and I'm at 118. I've got 12 to go, and one of those is going to be Eastern Michigan here in the bowl game. So I'm really looking forward to, to watching them play and uh, really want to see what Max Crosby can do. At the end of the day, though, I think Georgia Southern, that that offense is going to be too much for, for Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, I didn't talk anything you know about some of my other picks. I think that... Uh, Utah State is going to be a little too much for, for North Texas. And I think that when you look at Fresno State and Arizona State, I'm going with the Sun Devils. You know, I, I think that uh, Eno Benjamin is going to get things going. You have Manny Wilkins, the veteran at quarterback. I think Arizona State finds a way to get it done against the Bulldogs. Which takes us to the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Middle Tennessee versus Appalachian State in the Mercedes Benz Superdome, New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, Brent Stockstill, they're at Middle Tennessee, the Blue Raiders, eight and five on the year. You know, Stockstill playing for his dad, uh, Rick, and uh, it feels like he's been there for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, he's just been that. You know, when you think Middle Tennessee football, you think Brent Stockstill, uh, 105 career uh, touchdown passes. Um, you know, 70.4% completion percentage this year. Over 3,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, and just eight interceptions. Um, not the best, you know, not not the biggest guy, not the best athlete. You know, he's just six foot, 215 pounds, but excellent decision maker. Uh, going to be an excellent coach. You know, I, you know, obviously his dad Rick. I think he's going to follow in his footsteps. You can tell out on the football field that he's another coach already out on, uh, out there when he's playing with his guys. And uh, to me, I, I think he's a guy that could make a roster. You know, he might be a third quarterback, a guy that's going to to, to learn from a program there for, for a couple of years before he actually sets uh, sets the sights on on the college game and uh, becomes a, a a coach. 
Um, you know, he's somebody, you know, like I said, you know, teams are going to be looking for those cerebral, co- uh, cerebral quarterbacks, guys that um, can really help their team in that quarterback room. And I think Brent Stockstill is the type of guy that's going to be able to do that. Now, Appalachian State, the Sun Belt Conference champions, uh, they're led by their quarterback, Zach Thomas, a Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year. Now, look, Zach Thomas is a guy to keep an eye out for. Only a sophomore, 6'1", 205 pounds, um, you know, 62.8% passer, over 1,800 yards, uh, 16 touchdowns, just four interceptions. Also can do it with his legs. You know, he's a dual-threat quarterback, uh, 476 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns. Uh, he really is the guy that uh, that makes everything work there for the Mountaineers. Um, you know, Appalachian State suffered a huge uh, setback after five games when uh, Jalen Moore fractured his ankle and dislocated it. Um, you know, 5'11", 215 pounds. This was a guy who was dominant in 2017, um, you know, over a 1,000 yards and uh, and 12 touchdowns. Um, you know, really a guy that emerged as a, as a leader for um, App State. But uh, with him going down to injury, Darrington Evans, the sophomore, 5'11", 190 pounds, uh, over 1,000 yards on the season and really is a, is a speedster. You know, he has you know, very sudden with his movements and uh, quick acceleration. Um, in that Sun Belt Conference uh, conference Championship against uh, Louisiana, 96-yard kickoff return, tackled down at the one-yard line. Uh, to me, um, I think Appalachian State's going to be a little bit too much. I think they have too many weapons there for uh, Middle Tennessee. I know Brett Stockstill isn't going to go down without a fight, but I think uh, App State's going to end up winning this game. Um you know, I know that Scott Satterfield's heading to Louisville, but I think App State gets the job done. So we're now through the first day of bowl games. I know. I know. A lot of bowl games there in just one day's uh, day's worth of work. You know, if you're talking about, you know, what if a if you had an 18 playoff? What would that look like? Well, I think this would be a perfect weekend to have the first round of those playoffs. You know, it can be played on campus you know, or, or in, you know, either on campus or at, uh, you know, at, at the um, the home game there for uh, the lower, the lower seed. Um, and then obviously you can have the next game. You know, if you had the first one this week, then you can have your next, you know, the next game there on the 29th. Then your final game there on uh, January 7th. I think it will work out very well. So if we ever get to an 18 playoff, this would be the perfect time to kick things off. With that said, let's go ahead and jump to Tuesday. So you do have to wait a couple of days before the next bowl game. I know. What a bummer. But there are the NFL games that are already sprinkled in. That's why. you know. So you're not going to have a bowl game on, on Sunday or on Monday because the NFL, you, know, you don't want to compete with them. But uh, on Tuesday, a Cherub Bundy Boca Raton Bowl played on uh, the campus of uh, Florida Atlantic in Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, the UAB Blazers and uh, North, uh, Northern Illinois. Tell you what, the UAB Blazers, 10-3 and three on the year. What Bill Clark has done with this program, you know, just the second – uh, second season since they've been reborn. You know, this was a program that uh, you know was no more. You know UAB decided to, to close the doors on the football program, and uh, you know because of 
the, the, the fan support. They brought it back and, uh, Bill Clark stuck around and, uh, you know, it's a feel good story. I could, I can see it now that uh, UAB at some point, there will be a movie made about this, you know, and I think this would be the exclamation point. If, if the Blazers can get the win, when you're talking about UAB, you have to talk about the running back Spencer Brown. This is a guy I think in a couple of years we're going to be talking about as a legitimate NFL prospect. Six foot, two hundred twenty-seven pounds, only a sophomore. Back to back thousand-yard seasons, um, over eleven hundred yards this year. Sixteen touchdowns. A bruising back, very physical, one cut and go type of guy. Looks for contact. Um, you know, a guy who's like I said, puts the foot in the ground, sees the hole goes to it and is going to run you over. Very physical, wears down defenses, gets better as the the game goes on. Um, If you're looking for a guy at UAB that might be an NFL prospect, how about Marshawn Diggs? Uh, The 6'3", 210-pound safety, uh, JC transfer, athletic guy, four pass breakups, 50 tackles on the year, um, pretty good guy playing over the top. Now, Northern Illinois. You know, I think they're going to be a little bit too much for UAB and – one of my favorite guys in this draft is Max Sharping, the 6'5", 320-pound left tackle, 56 career starts. Are you kidding me? 56 in his career. It's just mind-blowing what he's been able to do, the, the, the durability. You know, I think that speaks volumes. One sack in the last three years. And I remember you know, vividly because I talked about it time and time again on my podcast going up against A.G. Epinesa, you know, who is going to be an NFL prospect that we'll be talking about next season. Heard it here first. AJ Epinesa, the speed off the edge there for Iowa was a little bit too much for Max Sharping. But look, this guy's a technician. This is a guy who has excellent, you know, uses his hands well, uh, gets out of a stance quickly, sets up, you know, in that uh, that kick slide. Um, even when he's beaten, he's able to recover, take his man, ride him out of the uh, away from the pocket and down the football field. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe he'd be a little stiff in the hips. But I was watching the MAC championship where Northern Illinois came back to beat the the Bulls uh, of Buffalo 30 to 29. But I watched him climb to the second level. You know, there was a a block where he kicked out. Um, you know, Khalil Hodge got low. I mean, when I'm talking low, this was a knee you know, knee bender low. He wasn't bending at the waist. He was bending at the knees. You know, it looked like he was a basketball player as he was getting in there, getting that block, getting low on Khalil Khalil Hodge, who's six one, and uh, and Max Sharping at six five. He got down low and really drove through him. And then you saw it later on had this other block where he sealed him to the inside, allowing uh, you know Trey Harbison to get to the outside. And, and to me, that I was sold on the flexibility there. He's a top five tackle, a guy who should be taken day two and uh, could be a guy who could start early on in his career. Now, defensively for the Huskies, Sutton Smith, 6'1", 237-pound junior, undersized defensive end. You know, I think he'd be great as a 3-4 outside linebacker, uh, a guy who just plays, you know, plays to the whistle. You know, this is a guy who is is so so quick, so sudden off the ball. You know, offensive linemen have a hard time blocking him. You know, he's gonna uh, bend around the edge. You know, very flexible, can get low, dips that inside shoulder, and uh, gets around to the quarterback. Gets under the pad level. Um, but this is also a guy who will use that jab step to the outside, fake to the outside, offensive tackle oversets, shoots back to the inside, and now you have an inside rush to the quarterback. Um, you know, two-time MAC Defensive Player of the Year, uh, second straight year in 2018. Um, you know, a season ago, 30 tackles for loss and 14 sacks. This year, 20. Uh, let's see, 
21 and a half tackles for loss and uh, and 13 sacks. You know, a, a guy who is just so explosive and uh, just lives in opposing backfields and, you know, a guy who's just relentless pursuing the football. I think that uh, between, you know, Sutton Smith and the rest of that defense and Max Sharping blocking, uh, leading the way for, for Marcus Childers uh, on offense, I think the Huskies will be way too much for UAB. So the next game... After that, we move to Wednesday, December 19th, the DXL Frisco Bowl in Frisco, Texas, Toyota Stadium, San Diego State, the Aztecs taking on the Ohio Bobcats. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. You're going to see Rocky Long's 3-3-5 defense. Can they hold up against the Bobcat offense that uh, is ranked nationally uh, in the top 10, 470 yards uh, of total offense and 41.2 points per game? Um, you know, this is a, an offense that is very, very potent. Uh, Nathan Rourke, the quarterback, a dual threat, um, only a junior, 6'2", 208 pounds, um, just under 62% passing, 2,200 yards, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, um, but in two years on the ground, uh, over 1,700 yards, 34 touchdowns, dynamic dual threat guy, a guy to be uh, on the watch out for. Um, you know, I really want to see what his development can be from junior to senior season. Um, now, Running the football is going to be A.J. Allett. You know, 5'11", 209 pounds, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, uh, 1,142 yards um, on the year, 6.2 average. So I think that's one of the things that really stands out. 12 touchdowns and 62 receptions as well. So this is a guy, you know, not the fastest, not the biggest, but a guy really a workman-like approach and uh, just keeps keeps pounding away. Um, you know, behind an offensive line that uh, boasts two, not one, but two first-team All-Mac performers uh, in Joe Lowry and Joe Anderson. Uh, the Joes, they're on the left side. If, if A.J. Allett's going to get things done, he's going to run on the left side. And Joe Lowry, you know, here's a, a pro prospect for you. Pro Football Focus has him rated as number two offensive lineman. Uh, you know, Jonah Williams being number one, but Joe Lowry, number two, an underrated offensive tackle and a guy that you know I'm really excited to see play. The last time I got to watch him, um, you know, it, it was it was one of those things to where, um, you know, kind of an up and down performance. But um, you know, for me, I, I really want to see, you know, really study him, watch him against this this three three five defense, and uh, it may crack my top ten um, at, at the offensive tackle position. You can hear my dog, Bella, my black lab. I think she's dreaming, hanging out in the uh, in the room with me. But uh, San Diego State, Juwan Washington, the running back, 5'7", 190-pound junior, in just eight games, you know, over 870 yards and, and 10 touchdowns, uh, three kickoff returns for touchdown in his career, fractured clavicle. Um, you know, this is a guy who, you know, I, I was looking to see if, if he's going to be out for the game, but I haven't really seen anything that, that indicates, you know, that there's a chance that he may be back. Um, defensively, um, you know, uh, Kayava uh, Tazino, uh, their, their linebacker there, uh, six foot, 230 pounds, um, first year as a full-time starter, 119 tackles, 14 and a half for loss, and eight and a half sacks. Uh, a guy who's very instinctive, plays all over the football field, and uh, you know, a guy, look, you know, he's going to be someone who teams are going to start taking, taking notice of um, in his senior season next year. Um, another guy to be on the watch out for is uh, T- uh, Tarek Thompson. You know, their, their Aztec 
Um, you know, Steve, six foot, 205 pounds, was a freshman All-American a season ago. Excellent range. Uh, second team, All-Mountain West. Um, you know, two interceptions, seven pass breakups. You know, a guy who plays well over the top. Uh, for me, I think Ohio in that offense, Nathan Rourke, I think is going to be the difference maker. I think he ends up getting it done against the Aztecs. Hello, Figaro. Our other lab just made it into the room, so she's going to hang out with us, I think, for a little while. Uh, Thursday, December 20th, how about the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl? You know, if you're looking for bowl game, you know, the best bowl game, I think, you know, you're looking at the Cheez-It Bowl and then the, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Best names by far. Um, you know, you're pitting Marshall uh, against USF. And, you know, look, the, the Bulls, um, you know, playing in, in their home stadium there of uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Uh, Marshall Thundering Herd, 8-4 and four on the year. Uh, Doc Holliday's group. And uh, I think they're led by the receiver uh, Tyree Brady. 6'3", 206 pounds. Uh, the senior was a Miami transfer. Um, 122 receptions for over 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns in his career. Uh, defensively, you know, here's a sleeper, a name to, to be on the lookout for. His name is Ryan B. He's 6'7", 280 pounds, a guy who can play all over the defensive line. He's played at the nose. He can play you know, a five technique in a, in a four defense, could probably play... Um, Defensive tackle in a 4-3 as well. 29 and a half tackle for loss. 18 sacks. Nearly 200 tackles in his career with Thundering Herd. Um, you know, a guy to watch for there in the middle of that defense. And then at safety, Malik Gant. 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, 90 tackles. 9 tackles for loss. A sack and 2 interceptions. 8 pass breakups uh, on the year for him. Uh, they're going to be going up against uh, South Florida's running uh, r- rushing attack. Uh, and, and look, you know, Marshall hasn't given up a, a hundred yards this season. Why is that significant? When you look at Jordan Cronkite, uh, the, the Florida transfer, who, by the way, 5'11", 207 pounds. I'd be remiss if I didn't actually note his measurables uh, before we start talking about things. But you know, if you look at, at what Jordan Cronkite has done, if he goes over a hundred yards in a game this season for the Bulls, they're 5-0. and When he doesn't, they're 1-5. And no back has rushed for over 100 yards this season against that Marshall defense. So that's really going to be the the thing. Can they dominate the line of scrimmage? Can Jordan Cronkite bust a couple of big runs like he's he's known to do? Uh, you know, Johnny Ford, the freshman, is going to get his opportunities in the backfield as well. Um, you know, Charlie Strong. That's really what he's going to have to look out for. Uh, you know, Cronkite. Look, um, you know, 1,100 yards on the ground, nine touchdowns, uh, and then. You know, really the question is going to be the health of Blake Barnett. You know, the Alabama transfer uh, also was at Arizona State. Now he's found a home um, with South Florida. You know, he's missed uh, two of the last three games uh, with a shoulder injury. Is he going to be healthy? Is it going to be Chris Oladokun, Brett Keen? Uh, not really sure right now, but if if you do get them, you know, uh, Blake Barnett healthy and can actually throw the football down the field, a big target of his. I talked about those seven or eight uh, underclassmen at tight end. One of those is Mitchell Wilcox. We don't know if he's going to declare or not yet, but 6'5", 245 pounds, the junior. 
uh, 40 receptions, over 500 yards, and two touchdowns on the year. Has an ankle injury himself. Status right now is unknown for the bowl game. Uh, but if he is healthy, he's a weapon up the seam. A guy who uh, can high point the football, has an excellent, uh, you know, excellent body control to adjust the, uh, to the, the football in the air, especially on the back shoulder throw. Um, Mitchell Wilcox, a guy to watch out for, again, if he is healthy enough for the bowl game. Moving along to Friday, December 21st. How about the Makers Wanted Bahamas Bowl? And now South Bahamas. Boy, I'd love to go go check out that game. Uh, FIU, Butch Davis. That's another team that I haven't seen yet. So, you know, right now, uh, as it stands, you know, after uh, December 21st, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there with uh, 120 of the 130 uh, FBS programs that I'll have actually been able to watch play. But Butch Davis, you know, eight and four on the year. The, the Golden Panthers are led by their quarterback, James Morgan. Uh, you know, 6'4", 213 pound junior, uh, the transfer from Bowling Green, 65% passer, over 2,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. Uh, to me, this is a guy who just seems to continue to uh, develop just watching him, you know, single season school record uh, for touchdown passes. And uh, a guy I'm anxious to watch play because I really want to see, is this a guy that could potentially be a, you know, an, an NFL prospect? You know, Alex Magoo, I got to watch him play. You know, I thought he had a chance to make a roster, and you know, he's one of those guys who, who is, is surprising there at the next level just a little bit. Um, you know, the Panthers, if they, if they do win, they'll set a school record for victories. Butch Davis really has that program on the rise, and I think they'll do it. I think they'll get it done on the arm of, of James Morgan. They're taking on Toledo, a team that struggled defensively, uh, there are three guys on defense that I think, you know, uh, at least are worth mentioning. Uh, Tazar Skipper, 6'3", 246 pounds, senior, um, you know, 10 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, really first year as a starter for the, the Rockets and is making the most of that. Uh, Josh Tichy, uh, cornerback and safety prospect, 5'11", 195 pounds, um, you know, seven interceptions, 22 pass, pass breakups in his career. Uh, this is a guy who has excellent ball ball skills, as does Kadar Holman, the the corner on the opposite side, six foot, one hundred ninety five pounds, um, you know, two interceptions and, and twenty seven pass breakups, twelve uh, pass breakups in twenty eighteen. Um, you know, those are guys that are going to be tested there by James Morgan in that that uh, that passing attack. Um, but two guys that I think have a chance. Um, as free agents, you know, I don't think they're going to get drafted, but two guys, you know, like I said, with the ball skills that uh, might be able to stick with an NFL pro, uh, NFL franchise. Offensively, one of my favorite guys is Cody Thompson. 6'2", 205-pound senior, really a possession receiver, a guy who makes plays um you know, down the field, you know, especially over the middle, you know, really burst onto the scene as a sophomore, uh, you know, with 1,289 yards, 11 touchdowns, um, has a season-ending injury, broke his leg against Eastern Michigan uh, as a junior, and came back this year. You know, without Logan Woodside as his quarterback, uh, you know the combination of Eli Peters, Michael Guadini, uh, really struggling. You know, they're both under sixty percent passers. Uh, you know, so Cody Thompson just forty-three receptions, five hundred ninety-seven yards, but ten touchdowns. This guy's a touchdown maker um, and somebody to keep an eye on. I, I think he's going to be uh, probably a day three guy probably the sixth, seventh round range, 
But, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, a savvy veteran, you know, a guy who just knows how to get open. Not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy, but a guy, like I said, who knows how to get open. And those savvy receivers find a home uh, in the NFL. And, uh, you know, he's a reliable target as well. Um, He'll be a fun guy to watch. You know, obviously you have Deontay and John Vay Johnson, uh, no relation. But uh, those two guys, they're... uh, at the, at the wide receiver position, Deontay Johnson, also a returner with 412 return yards uh, to his credit. Um, but I think at the end of the day, FIU ends up taking advantage of a porous Toledo defense to get the job done. Famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Also played there on Friday. And uh, Western Michigan against BYU. You know, they're at Albertson Stadium on the blue turf, Boise, Idaho. Uh, and you know Western Michigan, you know they're seven and five on the year. Uh, had to win six consecutive games uh, after losing to Syracuse and Michigan. Lost, you know, lost a few games on the on the way. Uh, so it's really one of those things. You know, what which team is going to show up? And uh, for me, you know, when you look at Western Michigan, they're led by their two running backs, Levante Bellamy and Jamari Bogan. I've already mentioned Tariq Cohen and some of those smaller running backs. You know, what can they do with the ball in their hands? You know, these are two guys that are going to try to follow in the same footsteps. You know, uh, Levante Bellamy, 5'9", 185 pounds, over 1,100 yards uh, on the ground, 6.2 yards per carry, uh, six touchdowns with uh, 24 receptions to his credit. And you look at Jamari Bogan, little uh, bowling ball, 5'7", 190 pounds, a guy who's found the end zone, um, you know, over 3,000 career yards, 42 touchdowns, including 15 in 2018. Um, so that's really what's going to uh, power the Broncos here uh, against BYU, led by a freshman, Zach Wilson, uh, the quarterback. They really had to you know, struggle and claw their way to a 6-6 six and six record. Got blown out. Or, I'm sorry, they blew a 20-point lead against Utah. Um, in the Holy War, and so, you know, really can BYU rebound, um, you know, Kalani Sataki, you know, kind of on the hot seat there um, at BYU. Ultimately, I think Western Michigan and that ground game is going to be too much for the Cougars, but there are a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball to be on the watch out for, um, watch out for, I don't know what, not really sure exactly what that means, but keep keep an eye out for uh, for Corbin Kafusi, the basket the former basketball player, 6'9", 275 pound senior, um, eighteen and a half sacks. I'm sorry, eighteen and a half tackles for loss, sixteen sacks uh, in his career. A, a guy who plays plays with a high pad level, you know, and that's one of the things. A guy that's that tall, you know, can get blown off the ball uh, a little bit, but has some surprising agility. Um, you know, can bend a little bit as well. So when that pad level stays low and he's able to be explosive off the ball and really take that momentum instead of popping up out of a stance, he starts driving into um, and around the, the offensive lineman, then that's where you're going to see him generating a lot of a lot of movement um, as a bull rusher and showing some speed around the edge. Sione Takitaki is, is one of my favorite names and uh, also another guy that's really a lot of fun to watch. 6'2", 230-pound senior, Moved from defensive line to linebacker this year, and uh, you really saw that, that jump off off uh, off the film. You know, 100 tackles, you know, nine tackles for loss, three sacks, uh, you know, a couple of pass breakups as well. Flies all around the field. Um, that's one of the things that you're going to notice. He can play, you know, sideline to sideline, can get after the quarterback, plays very well against the run. Uh, really a versatile guy and, and somebody that I could see, um, you know, really being a, a special teams ace um, for a franchise. 
So we'll get to the first week, end of the first week of the bowl season, Saturday, December 22nd. Uh, the Jared Birmingham Bowl is going to kick things off. Um, they're at Legion Field. Uh, Memphis Tigers taking on Wake Forest. Uh, Memphis Tigers, look, Memphis 8-5 and five on the year. Um, you know, had a couple of heartbreaking losses to, to UCF. Uh, you know, lost 31 to 30 during the regular season. And then they were also up on, uh, the Golden Knights before, um, they wound up losing that football game as well. Uh, losing that, uh, the, the conference championship, but Memphis is led by a dynamic running back, a guy who really hasn't been getting a whole lot of, a lot of hype. And I don't know why. Uh, was a Doka Walker Award finalist. I'm talking about Daryl Henderson, 5'9", 200 pounds, explosive, explosive running back, a guy who just needs a crease, and he's going to go the distance. Uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard uh, rushers, but really number two in the FBS to uh, the Doka Walker Award winner, uh, Jonathan Taylor. But uh, like I said, second in the FBS with 1,909 yards, 8.9 yards per carry. Like I said, this is a guy who's going to press the line of scrimmage, look for a hole, put his foot in the ground, is going to get north and south. He's physical when he needs to be, uh, very elusive in the open field, sets up the defensive backs a good four to five yards and, uh, you know, away and uh, really knows how to how to find the end zone as well. 22 touchdowns uh, on the year, 19 receptions as well. Uh, very soft hands coming out of the backfield. You know, to me, I I, I can definitely see Daryl Henderson en- entering the draft. You know, there's really you know, after a season like that, there's really nothing more that you can really say, um, except you know, go ahead and and uh, enter the draft, my friend. You know, you're someone who I think could be a, a day two pick. Very patient. Um, like I said, very decisive. Once he he sees that crease, he's putting his foot in the ground. He's getting north and south. There's no wasted movement. He's going to go ahead and, and take the ball. And uh, you know that's one of the things when you look at him play. Um, you, know, you you talk about a lot of these big holes. He's running through some gigantic holes. Well, he's also very decisive and makes sure that he gets there and accelerates through that hole. Now those holes are being opened by an offensive line that's led by uh, an, an underrated tackle, and that's uh, Trevon Tate, 6'4", 295 pounds, 47 career starts. And, and this is a guy, for me, I think the more the people wa- want to watch Daryl Henderson, they're going to love watching this left tackle. And he's going to be a guy, mark my words, he's going to shoot up draft boards. People are going to fall in love with this guy. You know, little, you know, people say he doesn't have the ideal length, but look, Isaiah Wynn was taken in the first round. You know, the, this whole idea of having to have a an offensive tackle with um, ideal length you're not going to you know it's not you know it's no longer taboo to take uh, an undersized uh, offensive tackle and I think Trevon Tate is going to be a guy who could play his way into a day two pick um, you know the, the the kickout blocks just so tremendous that's one of the things um, that you'll notice you know Daryl Henderson when he runs left he's running through a, a gaping hole he could drive a truck through and a big reason why is because you know Tre, uh, Trevin Tate with those kickout blocks getting into his man driving him you know down the you know all the way to the sideline in, in some cases um, very quick feet as well. Um, you know, does a good job climbing uh, to the second level, uh, under control, and, and locates uh, the linebacker and drives his man down the field. Very effortless, effortless kick slide as well, and pass protection. He's a sleeper and one to watch.
Now, when you talk about Wake Forest on the opposite side of the football, I don't think they're going to have enough uh, to slow down Memphis when it's all said and done. But Wake, you know, six and six on the year, led offensively by Greg Dortch, very explosive, only a sophomore, 5'9", 170 pounds, um, freshman All-American, you know, over 700 yards, nine touchdowns, went over 1,000 yards this year with 89 uh, receptions. Eight touchdowns, two punt returns for touchdown as well. Uh, to his credit, you know that's if Wake Forest is going to win, Greg Dortch has to have a huge game. And I'll give you a guy on the defensive side of the ball for for Wake, and it's Cameron Glenn, uh, underrated uh, safety, 6'1", 200 pounds. Last two seasons, over uh, nearly 200 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two interceptions, ten pass breakups, three forced fumbles. Um, you know, can, he's very active, can play in the box. Uh, can cover backs out of the backfield as well. Um, you know, I think he can blitz off the edge a little bit too. Um, he's somebody that I think, as the season has gone on, has continued to get better and better. And you know, someone that I think is um, is going to have to step up big. Um, you know, when Brady White is throwing the football, obviously he's going to have to play down in the box. And I, I could definitely see. Um, see them them doing that looking to load the box to try to stop uh daryl henderson so you, know, you could see quarterback brady uh brady white looking to air the football out just a little bit now the cornerback for wake uh another draft prospect junior isang bassi uh 510 185 pounds excellent ball skills in two seasons uh you know 30 pass breakups four interceptions um you know he's he's only 185 pounds but he's a guy who's going to come up and hit you he's not afraid uh, afraid of contact at all and i think the you know an nfl program is going to really love uh that out of him um you know a playmaker you know knows where where the ball is is going to make a play on the football uh I, i don't see him coming out um you know, and I'd love to see him stay around for one more season, have a big year, and be one of those guys that's going to be talked about as a, um, you know, as a, you know, someone selected in the top two, uh, top two days of this uh, 2020 draft. So, like I said, I think Memphis ends up getting the job done there uh, in the Jared Birmingham Bowl, which takes us to the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Now, this is a bowl game. You know, it, you're tuning in. It's Houston versus Army. Hey, I get to watch De'Ara King and Ed Oliver. Unfortunately, neither one is going to be playing. Now, De'Ara King is their explosive quarterback. Six, uh, you know, 63% passer, um, nearly 3,000 yards passing, 36 touchdowns, just six interceptions, and then eight, uh, 874 yards on the ground and 14 touchdowns. Um, you know, he's not going to play. Was injured. And, uh, you know, freshman Clayton Toon is going to be t- uh, stepping in for him. Now, Ed Oliver is, is also not playing. Now, it kind of makes sense. You know, he's been battling a knee injury. Now, this is a guy before the knee injury, you know, rarely came off the field. So durability, really not an issue for this guy. But when you're talking about Army, you're running that triple option. A lot of cut blocks. Going to have to watch his health just a little bit. Um, so I, I don't blame him. You know, he's 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". He only weighs about 277 pounds. Um, so the question, you know, the comparisons to Aaron Donald, I don't think are really fair. You look at Aaron Donald and what he does out on the football field. This is a guy who manhandles 300-pound linemen, throwing them around. You know, you're not really going to see Ed Oliver do that. But what you are going to see Ed Oliver do is, is the quickness, the footwork. You know, I know that there are videos on YouTube that show his footwork, and you know, he looks like a, a linebacker or a safety uh, going through some of those drills, you know, but at, at 277 pounds. 
know, in his career, when you look at the stats, 192 tackles, 53 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks, 11 pass breakups, and five forced fumbles. You know, this guy, you know, just seemed to live in opposing backfields. You know, this was a guy that you had to game plan for, uh, game in and game out, lining up over the nose so quick off the ball would would split double teams with a quick uh, quick burst off the ball, kept that pad level low, relentless in pursuit of the football, uh, excellent closing burst as well. Um, you know, but you know, at 277 pounds, look, you know, he's shown that he can play over the nose. I think he could be a three-four defensive end. I think he could play. Uh, you know, he has the athleticism. Why not try him as a stand-up outside linebacker? I'd love to see them put him through those drills in the combine. You know, if I were a a defensive coordinator and I'm looking at at Oliver, you know, where do I play him? How about the question really should be, where won't you play him? You can play him just about anywhere on on the front seven. You know, if you've got a 3-4 defense, you can line him up really wherever you want. And, and I mean, one play he could be lined up, you know, uh, at an outside linebacker. The next as a as a five technique. Very next play, put him over the nose, on a passing down, move him inside. You know, maybe you have a NASCAR package and you want to play him at, at defensive tackle in a four three. Um, you know, because you want to have have some speed there on the interior. I, I think you know he gives you options. There are very few guys in this draft where you can sit there and say, hey, this guy could play multiple positions. And this is a guy, to me, can play anywhere on a front seven. That would be a lot of fun uh, if I were a, a defensive coordinator. Unfortunately for the bowl game, and, and really where we're going here, is uh, you know Ed Oliver won't be playing. But uh, one one guy to, to keep an eye out for on the offensive side of the football is uh, is Marquez Stevenson, six foot, one hundred ninety five pounds. Uh, only a sophomore, um, 947 yards, nine touchdowns on the year. A vertical threat has sprinter speed. Can get over the top uh, of defenses, and uh, I think you know if Clayton Toon can get the ball to him, they'll have a chance. But look, Army was able to figure out OU, and really the best defense for uh, an OU offense is just keeping them off the field. That's really what Army did against OU. You know that was really OU's toughest game. Um, you know, was was having to deal with Army, ultimately beat him in in overtime, but uh, they kept Kyler Murray off the field. And uh, look, they got a couple of pro prospects there for Army. Uh, one of those is is the corner uh, Elijah Riley, six foot, two hundred and five pounds. He's a junior, um, excellent ball skills, nine pass breakups on the year. Um, you know, a guy who has good size, you know, does a good job. Uh, you know, dissecting plays, and, and he would have a lot more pass breakups, but teams didn't really want to throw his way. They're picking on the opposite side because they knew that if they're throwing uh, towards uh, Elijah Riley, uh, that uh, bad things were going to happen. So, you know, that's one of the things that Houston's going to be looking for. You know, and I think that's going to be a matchup that you can expect is that you know Riley's going to have to see some balls thrown his way at some point, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, I'm anxious to see what he can do as a senior. If he has a big year, uh, there's a chance that he can end up getting drafted. Another guy who's going to get drafted, in my opinion, uh, is uh, Darnell Woolfolk. He's 5'9", 235-pound fullback, over 800 yards rushing in each of the last two seasons, uh, 14 touchdowns. You know, look, you know, he, he's very physical, low pad level, um, plays low to the ground. I would love to see him in the All-Star Games, get an invite to the All-Star Games to play as a traditional fullback. Why? 
because I, I think that uh, he can really showcase his ability as a blocker, really what he's going to be doing at the next level. He's not going to be running the triple option um, in the NFL, but if he can line up in some of those all uh, those all-star games as a, a lead blocker, that's really what I'd love to see him do uh, because I think he can get it done. I think he's a he's a good enough athlete, definitely a guy who can can carry the football a little bit, and uh, you know he may you know he may not get drafted. You know, I, I think he has a good shot you know to be a late draft pick, but even if he doesn't get drafted, he'll be a priority free agent and a guy who I think could make a roster. You know, obviously he has a commitment there at Army, um, but a guy who I, I think deserves to be out there on the football field at the next level. Now Army, you know the commander in chief, you know they've already won that trophy. I expect them to win the Armed Forces Bowl uh, over Houston. I think Houston just out outgunned. You know they're also without Garrett Davis, their safety. They only played two games, I know, um, but but a guy who was really the the veteran leader of, of that secondary, and uh, you know he was really someone who would have been vital playing in the box against this this triple option. Um, you know I think Army at the end of the day gets the job done. Next bowl game on the agenda. How about the Dollar General Bowl? Flab People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. Buffalo Bulls taking on the Troy Trojans. Now, the Buffalo Bulls, if you've listened to my podcast, you know I'm a big fan of Buffalo and what Lance Leipold is doing there. I think he's really doing something special. This is a team that uh, really a lot of fun to watch. They're uh, emerging as you know one of the powers in the in the MAC. And uh, they're led by their quarterback, Tyree Jackson, 6'7", 245 pounds, already named the MAC Offensive Player of the Year. Um, you know, over 2,800 yards passing, 27 touchdowns, does have 11 interceptions. You know, he was a mobile quarterback, a guy who really wanted to get out and run as a freshman, battled a knee injury last year. Um, but I, I think he's getting more comfortable as the season has gone on this year. 165 yards on the ground, seven touchdowns. Now, the one big issue for him, um, you know, is is the completion percentage, just 55.8%. Uh, and look, he reminds you a lot of Josh Allen, you know, big quarterback, cannon for an arm, just can chuck the ball a mile. Um, but it's the accuracy concerns. And that's why I want to see Tyree Jackson come back for one more year at Buffalo. Because... You know, if I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. If you can't complete 60% of your passes in college, what makes you believe you can complete 60% of your passes at the next level? It's just not going to happen. You don't ever see it. Very rarely will it ever happen. Now, Tyree Jackson, you know, is is a you know, like I said, he has a cannon for an arm. There, all the physical skills are there. He's still raw, still putting things together. Come back for one more season, get that development together. And uh, I think good things can happen there at Buffalo. Now, Tyree Jackson is going to be throwing to a dynamic receiver. Uh, Anthony Johnson, 6'2", 207 pounds. The senior burst onto the scene a season ago there in the MAC. 76 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Now, this year he's been hampered by a hamstring. Knocked him out of a couple of games. Uh, still caught 52 bowls for, you know, let's... 944 yards, 11 touchdowns, and really the the game that was kind of his announcement that he was back and and you know 100% from that fully recover from the hamstring was against Miami of Ohio. Eight receptions, 238 yards, two touchdowns. 
uh, you know, I, I'd say that that would be an emphatic exclamation point. Uh, you know, a guy who is a vertical threat, you know, has excellent hands, good route runner, knows how to get open. He's a guy to me, you know, not quite on Corey Davis's level as a Mac receiver, um, but you know, a group of five guy who can find his way into the second round. Um, you know, I, I think that's where he's going to end up. Now, defensively, one of my favorite guys, Khalil Hodge. You know, another guy named Khalil heading to the NFL, coming out of Buffalo. Uh, but Khalil Hodge, 6'1", 236 pounds. And one of the things that, that you you look at with him, he's not the physical specimen that Khalil Mack is. Um, but one of the things that you will say is he's an intelligent player, high football IQ, does a great job reading the plays, diagnosing um, you know, what he's seeing in front of him very quickly, no waste of movement, 414 tackles in three seasons. That's right, 414 tackles. As a, fre- as a sophomore, 123 tackles last year, 153. And then over 12 tackles a game this year uh, with 138 total tackles. He'll probably end up with over 150 tackles for the second straight season because uh, I anticipate him having a ton of tackles against Troy. Uh, you know, Over 20 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, three interceptions, five pass breakups, uh, three forced fumbles in his career. Um, you know, he's, he's someone who I think is getting better and better in, uh, in coverage, being able to get the depth, reading the quarterback's eyes, reading the routes, you know, those eyes are going to take him to the football, knows what to do when he gets there. Uh, to me, Khalil Hodge, I think the combine, you know, he's probably going to run in the you know, low, you know, high four sixes or four sevens. Uh, but he's just a football player, a guy. When you put him out on the football field, he's going to be around the football, you know, playing and play out. So he's going to be a guy who I think is going to surprise a lot of people. Be a sleeper. Now Troy, you know, Neil Brown has has the Troy Trojans nine and three on the year. Uh, Sawyer Smith, the quarterback, is a guy who can put the ball down the football field. Um, he he's. You know, I think when you look at Troy, they have a guy on the defensive side of the football who can who can be a, an NFL prospect. I think he's going to be playing in the in the league uh, a, a season from now. And that's Sedarius Rookard, 6'1", 205 pounds, um, over 200 tackles in his career, nine interceptions and ten pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Knows what to do when he gets to the football. That's one of the things that uh, that you just can't teach sometimes is, is those ball skills. You know the, the five force fumbles. You know even when a receiver makes the catch, he knows how to how to get the ball free, jar the ball loose. Uh, also a punt return for touchdown in his career as well. Um, so to me, you know Sidarius Rooker going to be a day three guy, but a guy who I think is going to end up sticking on an NFL roster. You know the ball skills, like I said, they're evident, and that's really at the end of the day um, what I think is going to get him. Um, a look there at, uh, at the next level. So the SoFi Hawaii Bowl, uh, pitting uh, Louisiana Tech and Hawaii um, there in, uh, in the Aloha Stadium where uh, the Rainbow Warriors play. Now Hawaii, 8-5 and five on the year. Um, Cole McDonald, really a surprise. You know, I, I think he was one of the guys... Um, you know, ranked in the top 10 and, and passing with over uh, just under 3,800 yards passing, you know, 35 touchdowns on the year. You know, they're someone, you know, Nick Rolovich really has him, you know, airing the football out. And, uh, you know, he's going to be throwing the football to John Ursua, uh, a slot receiver who's going to be a guy 
in next year's draft uh, to keep an eye on for sure. 5'10", 175 pounds, just six games played in, in 2017 with a, se- a season-ending injury, um, but came back 89 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and uh, 16 touchdowns. Dynamic from the slot, knows how to get open, very sudden, um, and, and a guy who can make plays not only over over the middle but down the football field as well. Now defensively, you know the, the guy that I kind of – you know, was looking forward to, to see play, but uh, only eight games played this year, and that's Jelani Tavai, you know, the, the middle linebacker. And this is someone who, when you look at his stats, they're they're so impressive. You know, over, you know, 390 tackles, um, you know, 41 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, five pass breakups, three forced fumbles, and a partridge in a pear tree. Uh, you know, the shoulder injury knocks him out of, of the bowl game, you know, and uh, really has only played eight games this year. Um, if you'll remember, he was suspended for the first game, um, you know, was suspected of assault. I think, you know, was arrested. And so he missed that first game, but came back with a vengeance, you know, uh, in uh, you know, 2017, you know, had 124 tackles. In 2016, 128, a guy who just flies around to the football, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, I hope he does get a look at the next level. Obviously, the character concerns and the, and the medicals need to check out, but a guy who I think could make an NFL roster because of all the playmaking ability that he that he uh, brings to the table. Now, Louisiana Tech, 7-5 and five on the year. They're led by the sack daddy. That's right. I think he's, uh, you know, gave himself the nickname, the sack daddy, uh, and and that's Jalen Ferguson who's really turned himself into a dynamic pass rusher. Has a chance to be a first round pick. Six five, two hundred sixty two pounds. Uh, now look, you know, one hundred eighty two tackles, sixty five tackles for loss, and forty two and a half sacks. He's just a sack and a half away from Terrell Suggs' record. And with Hawaii throwing the football virtually on every play, uh, he has a great chance of of breaking that record. Um, you know, five pass breakups, uh, seven forced fumbles, excellent length. That's one of the things that you'll you'll notice when you watch him play. Uh, the power in his hands, you know, those, those violent strikes. You know, uh, you know, getting that offensive lineman off balance, and then he really has that kind of a two-way go. You know, whether it's gonna take that inside move to the quarterback or be able to bend and get around the edge. Um, I, I thought for me when I watched him a season ago, because you know, he burst onto the scene really as a as a sophomore. Um, had a huge season with uh, you know 14 and a half sacks and uh, you know in 2017 you know dropped off a little bit 12 and a half tackles for loss seven sacks and, and he, he looked really raw you know you saw the power in his hands but you know you saw some arms flailing you, know, you didn't see you know much technique involved um, and you still see some of that rawness this year, but you know the pr- productivity, you know, just making plays behind the line of scrimmage, 23 and a half tackles for loss to go along with those 15 sacks. Um, you know, I, I think you know he really put everything together and is peaking at the right time. Um, you know, somebody who you know it, it was showing that he's able to locate the football quickly and is relentless. You know, he's going to keep pursuing that football, and uh, even if he's blocked, he's going to use those hands to get off the blocks and uh, use that length to his advantage um, when he's chasing down ball carriers. So who wins this game? Is it going to be Hawaii? Is it going to be Louisiana Tech? You know, I think Jalen Ferguson has a great chance at breaking uh, Terrell Suggs' record. 
two sacks. I think he 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 does it. I think he's going to get two and a half sacks in the game. Um, but I think Hawaii ends up winning it. You know, Cole McDonald, um, you know, really a surprise there as the starting quarterback for Hawaii and uh, is getting getting the job done. And uh, I think they end up winning at home. I think that's going to be a huge uh, home field advantage for the Rainbow Warriors. I think Hawaii gets it done. So then you have to wait a few days for your next bowl game. Obviously, you have Christmas there on Tuesday. But Wednesday, December 26th, we start with the bowl games once again. And the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl in uh, the Cotton Bowl there in Dallas, Texas. Boston College taking on the number 25 ranked Boise State uh, Broncos. And look, Boise State, or I'm sorry, uh, Boston College is loaded with NFL prospects. But I think Boise State wins the game. Well, let me let me explain. You know, AJ Dillon, the running back, uh, is a, is a force you know to be to be reckoned with. You know, he's six foot, two hundred forty five pounds, the sophomore, um, just under sixteen hundred yards uh, on the ground and fourteen touchdowns as a freshman. Still over eleven hundred yards. Um, you know, four point nine yards per carry and ten touchdowns. But this lingering ankle injury, his status is unknown for the, for the bowl game. And, uh, you know, if he can't go or if he isn't, you know, his, his uh, normal self, you know, because this is a guy who can run through you, but he's also going to run by you because he runs a 4 5 40. Um, you know, it's just a, a freak of nature. But you know, when you've got that ankle injury, that bad wheel, we've seen that with Bryce Love this year. Um, you know, the ankle injury really has gotten to him. And, uh, you know, if A.J. Dillon can't be at top speed um, or if he can't go, all that pressure is going to be on quarterback Anthony Brown, and I just don't see BC's offense being able to keep up with Boise State's. Uh, now that said, you know BC does have a formidable defense, led by Zach Allen, uh, who to me is a first-round pick at defensive end. 6'5", 285 pounds. Now look, a season ago, 100 tackles. 100 tackles at the defensive end position. You want to talk about being active. That's a guy that's getting up and down that line of scrimmage, running plays down from behind, nonstop motor, relentless in pursuit of the football. 15 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. You know, in 2018, you know, 61 tackles, you know, underachiever. Didn't get to that hundred. But still, when you think about it, a defensive end, 61 tackles, that's impressive. 15 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, seven pass breakups, and an interception. Uh, to me, this is a guy, excellent length. You know, he's not one of the speed demons, but a guy who has good power, bends pretty well, um, knows how to get to the quarterback, has a variety of moves. Uh, to me, you know, he's he's going to work his way into you know that um, into that first round. Now, when you study Wyatt Ray on the opposite side, he's going to get a look at the next level. But teams are going to have to kind of key in on him a little bit. He's six three, two hundred fifty five pounds. Um, now he had nine, uh, let's see, nine sacks this year and, uh, 17 total in his career. So in his previous three seasons, just eight sacks. And then, you know, obviously with Zach Allen having a huge year, everybody keen in on him on the opposite side. Uh, Wyatt Ray has himself an awesome year, 44 tackles, 11, 11 and a half for loss with, to go with those nine sacks. I think he'll get a look at the next level, but look. 
you know, he's not going to surprise anyone now. So he's going to really have to, to be a standout. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things going to go back and, and take a look at some of the film, you know, what is he doing on the opposite end? You know, he's seen a lot of, of, uh, you know, um, one-on-one situations and if you can beat your man and get into the backfield then uh, the more power to you and and that's one of the things that i think Wyatt ray has been able to prove is that he can get the job done uh, when he's not seeing any double teams now in the secondary they got a couple of guys to keep an eye out for now will harris 6'2, 210 pounds uh, over 200 tackles in his career seven pass breakups six forced fumble or six fumble recoveries and a uh, forced fumble uh, has five interceptions to his credit as well. Good size, plays well over the top, will come into the box and uh, knows how to hit you. You know He's a big hitter there for, for Boston College. And then uh, Hamp Cheevers, the corner. He's a 5'10", 180-pound junior. This year, seven interceptions and seven pass breakups. Knows what to do when, when he gets to the ball. He's very aggressive and he's going to take chances. So not only is he making some plays on the football, but if he guesses wrong then there are going to be some big plays. So, yes, he's given up some big plays, and that's one of the things that you know they kind of harness it in a little bit. But at the same time, that's what makes him a legitimate pro prospect is because he is so aggressive. You know, I don't see him coming out after the season, but look, seven interceptions, you know, it may be time for him to go. He may look at it and say, you know what, I'm, I'm at the top or, or near the top of the uh, um, FBS leaders in interceptions, you know, and... I, I think I can come out on top. Um, so that'll be an interesting uh, development to watch is uh, you know his draft status. Now to the other side, Boise State, Brett Rippon. I talked about you know uh, you know Brent Stock still at Middle Tennessee. Now Brett Rippon, I feel like he has been there for a decade. I mean this guy's been playing there forever. Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year. Now look. You know, total passing yards over 13,000. Think about that. I mean, 13,578 yards to be exact, 90 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, 64% uh, completion percentage. Now, here's the thing that's crazy. You know, he picked a senior year to have, you know, some of his best numbers. 67.5 completion percentage, best in his career. 3,705 yards, best in his career. 30 touchdown passes, best in his career. So, I mean, that's one of the things when you look at Brett Rip and play, um, you know, that's one of the things that stands out is he's he's peaking at the right time. He's 6'2", 202 pounds, excellent decision maker. Um, you know, a guy who's going to, you know, he knows his limitations. He's not uh, not a big arm quarterback by any means. Um, you know, he can get the ball to the, you know, uh, outside the numbers. But, uh, you know, ball's going to hang up a little bit. Not a guy who's going to throw the ball 40, 45 yards down the field. But uh, the ball placement, the accuracy, the anticipation, um, his, you know, intelligence, being able to read defense, make checks at the line. Um, he, he's somebody who's, you know, not much of a, uh, a threat to run the football. But at the same time, if it's third and seven and he's got a lane, you best believe that, that Brett Rippon's going to pull the football and find a way to the sticks uh, because, you know, he understands, you know, the situations that the awareness um, is, is very evident when you watch Brett Rippon play and, and he's sharing the backfield, you know, the Boise state known for the running backs, right? I mean, this is, you know, produced Doug, Doug Martin produced Jay Ajayi, Jeremy McNichols, and now Alexander Mad- uh, Madison, 5'11", 215 pounds, a junior. Um, 
let's see, over a thousand yards, 12 touchdowns, um, and let's see, uh, 28 receptions as well. Um, you know, 60 total receptions in his career, and a guy who just wears down defenses. He gets better as the game goes on. Has the power between the tackles. Also has the burst. You know, puts a foot in the ground. Can get outside. Can get to the corner and turn the. Uh, you know, once he gets outside, has the speed to go the distance. Um, you know, I was a little down on Alexander Madison for a little while this season, but the more I've watched and the more, I guess, you know, as the season's worn on, just like he does during the game, he just kind of wears you down, wears you down. And, uh, you know, I, I've become a true believer that Alexander Madison is one of the better backs in the country and, uh, has a chance, um, you know, at the next level. I think, you know, if he does come out this year, ooh, probably, probably the fourth round range, you know, probably makes, makes the most sense to me. I think that'd be good value for him. If you're reaching, I think he'd be reaching a little bit if you take him, you know, any higher than that, but I think fourth round, maybe even into the fifth, I think that'd be really good value. Now on the, uh, the offensive line, there's a name to keep an eye out for, and that's Ezra Cleveland, 6'6", 309 pounds. He's a redshirt sophomore, so he could conceivably come out after this year. Don't think he will. Uh, but 27 career starts, very light on his feet. He's not the most physical guy, but you know, a finesse tackle, a guy who, like I said, very light on his feet, moves very well, and uh, a guy who's been protecting you know, Brett Rippon's blind side uh, for the last couple of seasons. And I think that's one of the things that you're going to notice when you watch them play is uh, just how fluid an athlete he is. You know, I think he's a guy who could end up being one of the um, better tackles next season. So, end of the day, first responder bowl. I think Boise State ends up beating Boston College. Which then takes us to the quick lane bowl. Ford Field in Detroit, Minnesota taking on Georgia Tech. So you got Row the Boat and P.J. Fleck uh, versus Georgia Tech, the Ramblin' Rex, uh, swan song for Paul Johnson, who announces retirement. Um, so P.J. Fleck uh, and the Golden Gophers are going to have to figure out a way to stop the the option um, that Georgia Tech runs. And uh, I think for Minnesota, there are a couple of guys to keep keep an eye out for. They're both juniors, so they'll be probably coming back to uh, uh, to Minnesota. But uh, Carter Coughlin on defense, 6'4", 245-pound junior, uh, 15.5 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks, 4 forced fumbles, a guy who just works hard, you know, a guy who has a, a tireless motor, um, bends very well off the edge, you know, somebody who just continues to find his way into the backfield, uses his hands very well, um, and uh, you know, the more more I watched him play, the more I could really appreciate you know, what he does because he, he is he's explosive, you know, he has really good hands, and he's one of the guys that nobody ever talks about. Um, so, you know, I think Carter Coughlin comes back for, for another season there under P.J. Fleck. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what he can do in uh, 2019. At the receiver position, on the opposite side of the football, you know, you've got Tyler Johnson, who's 6'2", 200 pounds, uh, the junior, um, over 1,100 yards on the year and 10 touchdowns. A big guy, um, uses his body very well, attacks the football in the air, catches the ball with his hands away from the body, doesn't let it get into his frame at all, um, can be a, a weapon in the red zone, attacks the middle of the field very well as you know as well. Not all receivers want to go over the middle. He's a guy who's not afraid to do so. Now Georgia Tech, um, you know, defensively, I think you're looking at Henri St. Armour, 
245 pounds, uh, four sacks, 11 tackles for loss on the year, nine quarterback hurries, three forced fumbles. He's going to be the leader of that defense. Um, and, and it's one of those things the golf, Golden Gophers are going to have to be dealing with the, the emotional um, farewell for Paul, Paul Johnson. Yes, they are playing a virtual home game you know, in, in Michigan, you know, which is a, a close neighbor of, of Minnesota's. But uh, Georgia Tech, the you know, wanting to, to send Paul Johnson out on top, I think at the end of the day, that's ultimately what takes the Yellow Jackets over the top, end up beating the Gophers. So I talked about the Cheez-It Bowl as one of my favorite uh, bowl names for 2018. And, uh, you know, that's going to pit uh, California, the Golden Bears against TCU, uh, and Chase Field there in Phoenix. And Cal has a tremendous defense under Justin Wilcox. Um, offensively, you know, they leave a little bit to be desired. Um, you know, they finished last in the league in, in points per game at 23.6. Uh, Patrick Laird is a guy who's going to be seeing the ball quite a bit, running the football. Um, but defensively, uh, Evan Weaver is really the guy that uh, makes everything go defensively. 6'3", 235 pounds, only a junior, 143 tackles, 8.5 for loss, 4.5 sacks, a couple of interceptions and six pass breakups, really all over the field. And and his partner in crime playing next to him is uh, Jordan Kunazic, 6'3", 235-pound senior. So he'll actually be draft eligible. Um, I, you know, Evan Weaver technically is as well, um, but I see him coming back to Berkeley. Um, so Kunazic, 129 tackles, 10 for loss, four sacks, three uh, pass breakups, five forced fumbles. So really, when you're watching them play, it's really going to be Evan Weaver and Jordan Kunaza getting to the football. And, you know, I watched him play against Cal. And, uh, you know, when Evan Weaver gets to the ball, then it was Kunaza ripping the ball out. Um, these two guys really work well together. Um, TCU, on the other hand, um, offensively, a lot of struggles there, you know, especially with the quarterback position. So if they're going to want to make an impact, it's going to be Jalen Rager. Uh, 5'11", 195-pound sophomore, um, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. Very dynamic, dynamic player. A guy who's going to get vertical on you. A guy who can, uh, who's very sudden, puts his foot in the ground and uh, sinks his hips, gets in and out of his breaks very quickly. Um, it was declared that he said, hey, I'm going to be be there for you know the Bolitnikov heisman uh, discussions. And... Uh, you know, after the the close to the season, you know, every touchdown at one point, I think ESPN put a stat up that he scored every touchdown uh, in in the last 15 quarters for, for TCU before uh, Darius Davis caught a touchdown pass um, against, I want to say it was uh, Oklahoma State. Um, but Jalen Rager on, on the offensive side of the football, uh, Ben Banigou, the senior, 6'4", 249 pounds, uh, transferred from ULM, you know, in TCU in two years, 107 tackles, 33 and a half for loss, 16 sacks, and five forced fumbles. And I thought last year was a much better year for him. He's a guy who, who seems to disappear at times, and then he'll burst and have a huge game. 
Um, you know, I want to see someone who plays consistently uh, game in and game out. And uh, I think you know Banigou needs to have a big game uh, against Cal. He's got to wreak havoc against Chase uh, Chase Garbers or Brandon McElwain or whoever's going to be playing quarterback for Cal. Um, he's going to have to have a big game. Um, you know, I think to really help his his draft stock. I think he's somebody who has to play in space. I think he's a, a, a 34 outside linebacker. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I think he might be a little overrated at, at this point because he does disappear for, for stints throughout the season. Let's see. Thursday, December 27th. Got a couple of bowl games here. The Walk-Ons Independence Bowl in Independence Stadium, Shreveport, Louisiana, Temple versus Duke. Now, if we had gone a good 15 years ago, if we had said that, hey, Temple and Duke would be playing in a bowl game against each other, I, I think you'd think that we were crazy, right? But, uh, you know, what, what you know, uh, Matt Rule has been able to do at Temple and now uh, Jeff Collins and then David Cutcliffe at Duke, I think is nothing short of remarkable. You know, a couple of programs that uh, really were down in the – uh, the depths of uh, of the FBS and now really uh, really shining. You know, Temple's a lot of fun to watch. You know, for me, eight and four on the year. Ryquel Armstead. You know, he tweaked an ankle. Is he going to be healthy? You know, that's the big question mark right now. Five eleven, two hundred fifteen pounds, uh, over a thousand yards, five point two yards per carry as well. Thirteen touchdowns. Um, runs really hard. Um, has a good burst, not a not a speed merchant by any means, but just a guy who's just going to continue to to grind and uh, and churn out yards uh, as the game goes along. Defensively, you got Rock Yasin, the corner, six one hundred ninety ninety pounds. You know, I think what you see with him is is tremendous length. You know, two interceptions, twelve pass breakups on the year. Uh, he's going to be a guy on the outside. Um, Delvon Randall, the safety, six one two hundred fifteen pounds. I think what you see with him is, is ball skills. 11 interceptions in his career uh, and another 11 pass breakups. Uh, so he's a guy playing over the top who knows how to make a play on the football. And I think that's, that's critical um, you know, to, to their success going up against Duke. Obviously, you got Daniel Jones. I talked about it in, in, in episode 13 of, of the podcast series uh, about Daniel Jones you know, playing for David Cutcliffe. Is he going to come out and, and enter the draft? You know, I, I think you ha- you've got Dwayne Haskins and, and Justin Herbert in in the conversation of, of the the top quarterback to be taken, and everyone's putting Daniel Jones in there as well. You know, I know he's getting a lot of attention throughout the season. He's a prototypical NFL passer. Hey, I learned you know he learned under David Cutcliffe. You know, and then if he plays well in this bowl game, you know, there's a good chance that he could end up being a first round pick. Okay. But let's take a look at some of these stats. So he's a 59.5% completion, you know, completion percentage in his career. Um, 7,778 uh, passing yards, 47 touchdowns, 27 interceptions. So let's see. Um, so 59% passer, 2,251 uh, 2, yards through the air, 17 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. Um, you know, he's a guy, a dual threat, you know, over 1,300 yards on the ground and 16 touchdowns. 
Um, but you know how I feel about about guys who can't complete 60% of their passes. I know 59%, but look, it's still not it's still not 60. Um, I mean, he is dealing with a lower body injury, which makes him you know his status unknown for the bowl game. But I I think you know to be able to go out on top, I think we will see Daniel Jones play. Here's the deal, you know, he's a guy who is a is an intelligent quarterback, a guy who can make plays, um, you know, has a big arm. But uh, I think he would benefit from coming back and playing one more year under David Cutcliffe. I think he did wonders for Eli Manning and Peyton Manning. You know, that's what I talked about in uh, in episode 13. He's, you know, the development from the junior to senior season, you know, is something that you can't really replicate in the NFL. You, know, you look at a guy like Dak Prescott. You want to talk about a guy who improved his draft stock. Um, and really improved his his ability. He was more game ready as a senior. Now here's here's the thing: as a junior coming out of Mississippi State, Dak Prescott, he was an athlete who just had you know he was a an athlete who just happened to be playing quarterback, and it was one of those things to where you, you, he wasn't making the right reads, wasn't able to, to throw with accuracy, pushing the ball down the football field. But once one more season, that that development from his junior to senior season was so remarkable. He became a quarterback who just happened to be a good athlete. You know, he was making all the, all the right reads. He was making throws down the field with accuracy, putting it on his receiver when he needed to, and, and putting air under it when when the receiver needed to run under the football. And uh, I think that development really helped him take his game to the next level for the Dallas Cowboys. And to me, I want to see Daniel Jones come back for one more year under David Cutcliffe, have him develop, work on some of those accuracy issues and some of the decision-making that he's really going to, you know, has had issues with throughout the season and really throughout his career. And if we can get that and establish that, then, you know, I think you really have something there with Daniel Jones. But uh, because we have, you know, the, the, the draft class right now kind of up in the air, it, it's anyone's guess. Um, you know, obviously, you know, injuries pl- will play into it. He did have, uh, you know, sustained an injury, um, you know, throughout the season that, that he was having to deal with. You know, obviously the lower lower body injury that he's dealing with as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, another, you know, Duke defensively, you know, been riddled with injuries as well. Joe Giles Harris is, uh, you know, an inside inside linebacker who has been playing all over the football field. He's somebody who couldn't even end up entering the draft um, this year. Um, you know, 6'2", 240 pounds, um, you know, over over 100 tackles um, in, in 2016 as a freshman, nine and a half for loss. Then, in, uh, you know, last year, uh, 125 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, four pass breakups, um, just 81 tackles with seven tackles for loss this year um, in a limited role. You know, he the versatility, his ability to play the run, get sideline to sideline when he needs to, go downhill and hit the gaps, um, you know, fill the gaps and, and meet the running back in the hole, and then drop into coverage, reading the quarterback's eyes, allowing the, the eyes to take him to the football. Um, he's somebody to me that I'd love to see him come back for one more season and be one of the top two or three inside linebackers uh, in the draft. I think right now there are a few guys that are going to be ahead of him. If he does come out, he could end up being a, a third-round pick, more than likely a fourth fourth rounder. I think would probably be the best value for him right now. Um, but we'll see. You know, I think some of the, sometimes the injuries and the injury bug um, is enough for a guy who is a legitimate pro prospect to 
tilt in his favor to end up leaving school. Um, you know, Mark Gilbert, 6'1", 175 pound junior, the, the corner, only played two games, had a hip, uh, hip injury that uh, basically had surgery for, knocked him out. Um, but a season ago, you know, six interceptions, 15 pass breakups. He's, you know, the reason why I'm mentioning him is, is he's going to be the cornerstone of that secondary for Duke uh, when he comes back next season. And, uh, you know, a lot of size there at the cornerback position and definitely a lot of fun to watch. So let's see. Where are we at? Okay, so we've got the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, the Texas Bowl, and uh, we'll be done with December 27th, and then I think we'll call it uh, call it an episode, and then we can go ahead and, and finish out the remaining bowl games starting with uh, December 28th and playing it all the way through the rest of, uh, rest of December and into January um, in episode 15. Now, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl played at Yankee Stadium. We already saw one, one game played there when Notre Dame took on Syracuse. Uh, but two 7-5 and five teams, both having disappointing seasons. And that's Miami taking on Wisconsin. I feel like we've seen this game before. Um, it's because we have. Um, but now it's being played in Yankee Stadium. And uh, you know, a lot of pro prospects in this draft. If you look at Miami, they're being led defensively by Shaq Quarterman. Play, you know, started all 38 games in his uh, hurricane career. 6'1", 235 pounds, uh, 243 tackles uh, to his credit, 30 tackles for loss, 11 sacks, 8 pass breakups. To me, he, he's not quite on the level of, of Ray Lewis, but a guy who reminds me a lot of Denzel Perryman, a thumper heading downhill, um, but can also drop into coverage, make plays on the football, reads the quarterback's eyes very well. He's the leader of that defense. Um Gerald Willis may actually be the, the first guy drafted in this draft class, though. 6'4", 300 pounds, uh, 59 tackles, 18 and a half for loss, uh, and four sacks, you know, the defensive tackle position. Uh, the defensive tackle is, position is loaded, and I think, you know, Gerald Willis has played his way into a day-two pick. Um, just so explosive off the football and uh, able to, to split double teams, uses his hands very well, excellent power, and uh, you know the speed, the power is is tremendous, and just seem to be living in opposing backfields. If there was, you know, um, you know, not only when he when he actually makes a play, um, does a really good job, you know, funneling uh, the quarterback or the ball carrier to his uh, his linebackers and and uh, and line mates. Um, so really a tremendous talent, and uh, I'm glad that he's had a the, the senior, this this type of senior year. At the defensive end position, you got Joe Jackson. You know he's six six five, two hundred sixty five pounds, a junior, um, thirty five tackles for loss and twenty two and a half sacks um, in his career in just three seasons. Not the most explosive guy. I think he's a little stiff in the hips, but uh, definitely has some good power coming off the edge. Um, works hard getting to the quarterback. Um, he's a junior. He could come back, um, but I think he may end up entering the draft. Um, still a top 10 defensive end prospect um, when it's all said and done. Uh, Jaquan Johnson, um, the, the veteran leader of, this, of the secondary, 5'11", 205 pounds, 
you know, yes, he has over 200 tackles, uh, seven and a half tackles for loss, seven interceptions with seven pass breakups. Uh, the six force fumbles, though, you know, another guy with ball skills. He's an intelligent player, um, knows what to do when he arrives at the football, um, and just seems to be around the play. You know, doesn't always make the play, but he always seems to be around where the football is. And uh, you know, you want to have guys like him on your football team. Now, Wisconsin, Doak Walker Award winner Jonathan Taylor, 5'11", 221 pounds, uh, finished sixth in the Heisman voting in addition to being the Doak Walker Award winner. In, in two, th- two seasons, uh, 3,966 yards. Yeah, you heard that right. He He's already just 34 yards shy of 4,000 for his career, and he's only a sophomore. Um, a guy who was just so explosive as a running back. You know, just under 2,000 yards this season, 15 touchdowns, 7.1 yards per carry. Top running back in terms of yards in uh, in the FBS. So explosive. You know, I think that's the thing that really sets him apart. A lot of the, the Wisconsin backs, good vision, patient, run behind their pads, you know, uh, following their blockers really well. But this is a guy who has next-level speed. Um, you know, I think that was one of the things you saw with Melvin Gordon. And I think Jonathan Taylor is even, you know, faster than him. And, you know, there, there's the, the famous footage of him running track and just being so far out in front of everybody else. And uh, he's somebody who is a dynamic playmaker. And I'm looking forward to watching him play at the um, next season. You know, he's the guy to me who could uh, find himself as a top 10 pick. And he'll probably be challenging Tua for that Heisman Trophy. Now, that offensive line... You know, it's one of those things, you know, you expect to be a dominant offensive line, and I think OU's line has really eclipsed Wisconsin's as the best line in all of college football. Now, when you're talking about Wisconsin's line, um, you know, Michael Dieter is probably the most consistent. 6'6", 310 pounds, 53 career starts, you know, both at left tackle and left guard. I think the move inside is the best thing for him. He's going to be competing with, with Cody Ford, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Chris Lindstrom, who I didn't mention when I was talking about BC, um, Lindstrom, 6'5", 310 pounds, playing both tackle and guard. I think he'll be a guard at the next level. Um, he'll be battling the two of them, I think, to be the number one guard taken uh, if Cody Ford does come out. Um, just you know, really good power in his hands, um, able to sit down. Um, and I think that, that experience at tackle allows him to bend at the knees. Um, I just don't think he had the lateral quickness to play tackle, but I think he'll be an effective guard at the next level. Bo Benshaw, to me, I, I, you know, he was a an All American, you know, AP, but I, I just don't think that he had the season um, that I was expecting him to be. You know, he was going to be that, you know, my number one guard coming into the season. You know, he's still sitting there at number four, but uh, you know, I, I think he is one of the more athletic guards, a guy who can get out and, and pull. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out is that athleticism, the agility to get out and pull, and not only not only pull but actually locate the linebacker and deliver a pancake block on the edge. David Edwards, the the tackle, converted tight end, 29 starts to his credit. And this was a guy who showed up. I, I thought this was interesting. I was reading about him. Showed up to, to Wisconsin you know, at Madison on campus, 215 pounds, never ate breakfast, um, and, and didn't hit the weights. Um, shows up there at Wisconsin and bulked him up to 270 pounds, and uh, now he's a right tackle. Um, you know, a guy who struggles a little bit with speed rushers off the edge, but uh, a guy uh, as a drive blocker. Um, you know, you want to run behind 
big David Edwards. And uh, then Tyler Biotis, the center, I think he'll probably, he may end up having a chance to be the uh, a first-round pick there at the center position. He'll be challenging Elgin Jenkins out of Mich- uh, Mississippi State to be the top center taken. 26 starts to his credit. Uh, you know, just so athletic, you know, at, at the center position. A guy who um, is effective both in the passing game and, uh, you know, on the ground. Very efficient. As a blocker, you don't seem to get beaten very often. When he does, it's usually with quickness off the ball. I'm going to be anxious to see if, if Jared Willis lines up over him, um, what that matchup looks like. At the end of the day, I think Wisconsin's offense will be a little bit too much for Miami. Um, I just don't think Miami's offense, I don't think they have enough. They don't have a scholarship tight end on the roster. Everyone's injured. Um, and I think that the, all the injuries there for Miami uh, are going to catch up to them here in the bowl game. And then finally, the Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl Energy Stadium there in Houston, Baylor versus Vanderbilt. A uh, couple of six and six teams looking to to get over the 500 mark. Now for Baylor, look, you know Matt Rule just one win uh, a season ago. Now he's got him in a bowl game. Matt Rule doing something very well there at, at Waco. I'll be curious to see what he can do in another season with Charlie Charlie uh, Brewer there at quarterback, but. Uh, you know the, the the top pro prospect for Baylor is going to be Jalen Jalen Hurd. If the name sounds familiar, you know he was the running back there at uh, at Tennessee, over twenty eight hundred yards on the ground and twenty touchdowns. Also had sixty seven receptions as a run, uh, as a running back for Tennessee. There, he's six four, two hundred seventeen pounds. You know, dropped some weight to play the receiver position. Sixty nine receptions, over nine hundred yards, four touchdowns. You know, one of the things that I think you can say for him is. You, you, He's still raw with his route running. Still needs to learn how to how to run routes, um, and he still ran. You know, still still caught. You know, uh, or ran for 940 yards. Um, you know, uh, receiving there. So um, definitely a, a huge talent. You know, a guy who I think is just only going to continue to develop there at, at the receiver position. We're only scratching the surface of what he can do uh, at his new position for Vanderbilt. Keyshawn Vaughn. 5'10", 215-pound, um, you know, junior, played two seasons at Illinois before transferring uh, over 1,000 yards uh, rushing there uh, for the Commodores, 7-yard uh, uh, yard per carry, 10 touchdowns, very explosive runner. I think, you know, when you watch them play against Florida, he was the type of back that, you know, Vanderbilt needed, that, that athlete, a guy that was really going to make things close for them. Um, and I think when he went out to injury in that game, that really um, spelled disaster for, for Vanderbilt at the end of the day. Uh, but just so dynamic. Um, the lateral quickness, being able to stop um, stop on a dime, step out of a tackle, and, and then get the, get the speed to the edge. Uh, jump cuts to avoid tacklers in the backfield. Just very elusive. Um, you know, he does have an, uh, an arm injury that makes him questionable for the bowl game. Um, I'm really hoping that he does play because he is a lot of fun to watch. And then, uh, Kalijah Lipscomb is only a junior, 6'1", 201 pound receiver, very reliable, speedy receiver, 81 receptions, uh, just under 90, 900 yards and nine touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, a, a threat, uh, in the passing game, um, at the end of the day, I think Baylor and what Matt Rule is doing, um, you know, six and six record there. They had a chance, you know, against Texas, 
Um, ultimately, you know, Charlie Brewer's pass sailed into the, you know, through the end zone there. Uh, otherwise, they would have beaten Texas. Um, you know, I, I think Baylor's on the way up, and I think uh, Charlie Brewer and company uh, end up getting the W over uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores of the SEC. So we've come to the end of episode 14. We've gotten through um, the first half of the bowl games. We're going to look at uh, December 28th and beyond in uh, episode 15. I want to make sure that uh, we bring that podcast to you before we get to the 28th. You know, so we'll make sure that we have that well before then. Might be within the next week uh, before I, I go ahead and get the next one released. Um, so we have a few days before the bowl games. You know, enjoy uh, you know enjoy the NBA you know and uh, all the other sports that are out there college basketball is, is taking off as well um, you know we have the coaching carousel that's that's going on right now I just saw that Kansas State hired uh, coach Kleiman from from North Dakota State um, you know the FCS playoffs are also going to be in full force um, I'm gonna be pulling some of the, the the game footage from that to watch all of the top FCS teams play, um, so I'll be able to, to speak to that just a little bit. Um, but uh, until then, I hope everybody enjoys uh, the first week of uh, of bowl season. I uh, want to wish everyone uh, happy holidays, and uh, you know, until next time, this is Greg Shoots from ReadyForTheDraft.com and the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am out of here. Take care, everyone.